Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. They're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend a night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This is episode 36, where we dive into one of our favorite areas of geekery that doesn't involve Cylons and uh, talk some comics. Tonight, we run down the best and worst comic book movies. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, he is the man. He is the myth. Well, I mean, he's... He's a man. He's a myth to somebody somewhere. But I do know Woo! this. He he is the Michael Mizzenin to my Paul White. We have been and always will be your unified tag team champions. I give you the man they call Tim. Hello, brother. How we doing? Doing all right. I think I changed things up a little bit with the intro there. Yeah. Try to, try to just you know keep it fresh. Very nice, very nice. Very we'll nice. we'll actually probably get you'll probably get your first couple emails to that email address that we'll give out in a few minutes. Like that sucked. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> Which is really what the internet is these oh, days. So funny. it's kind of fitting. It is and sad at it the same is. time. So before we get too deep into this, uh, can you name the tag team, sir? So it was the Miz and Big Show, huh? Well, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's really two ways you can go uh, with this. It's a coin flip. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm. So, let's see. It was Jericho and it was Jericho and Big Show. So, mm-hmm. if it was Miz and Big Show, would it be the, the Miz Show? Oh, nope. Geez. What is it? Show Miz. Show Miz. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude, the funny part is, so I looked that up earlier. Yeah. And then I couldn't remember which way it went. I had to look it up again. <laughs> Just to be sure. Show, well, the, and, oh, and show me. Oh, I get it. Show biz. Yeah, show me. Exactly. Oh, yeah, you know. Wah, but wah, the, wah, wah. Exactly. And the funny part is, of course, The Miz has his own show. So there is a The Miz show. So you have oh, to. Of course. I mean, and then you have Paul White has his own show, which is what? The Big Show show? Yeah, I which mean, I actually <laughs> want to check out now. And that has something to do with my end, another thing, which I'll get into in a little bit. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk more about that later. But 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 you know, now that we've jabbered a, a way off topic, which granted is not unusual, it's just a little bit earlier in the show than it usually comes. Welcome uh, to the jungle. 
Yes. Yes. Welcome to our minds. And dear Lord, is it frightening in there. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and for subscribing. Thank you all very much. And, and Timmy, uh, I believe you have, a, have, some, have some numerals for us, some numbers, some statistics, as it were, uh, about where we is at. Yeah. So, so uh, the, the fine executive producer of this show, Sir, Sir Todd, uh, released upon the world episode 35 and in that time and i don't think it's all because of 35 but in that time we went from 796 downloads to 830 we are at 830 Woo! my friend we we have hit eight bills the first show of our second season i mean we are we are now technically into the second season yes of free range which lends us an air of of, of credibility that we quite honestly don't deserve <laughs> To say, to say that we're in the second season, like we got renewed, like uh, nobody nobody is involved. In this somehow, I think our that. second season will not be the same as the Mandalorian second season. <laughs> no, <laughs> slightly less heralded, slightly less heralded. There's, there's a few less people oh, waiting, and we don't gosh. have that volume thing that is like the coolest thing in oh, sci-fi awesome. and movies ever. Just I awesome. want one of those for my house. Uh, I just want my living room to be a volume. It probably so could just... be a house, given <laughs> given the way that all those screens are kind of like on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness, it's uh, ridiculous. It's like I want but a sunrise. Give it to me. <laughs> yes. We can live in a hollow deck, sir. Oh, we can live in a hollow deck. We could. We could. It's a it's an interesting time that we live in. So, ah. as I was saying before, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for downloading. We truly appreciate it, mostly because, well, we just like to hear our names and see them on the internet. That's kind of the big thrill for us. We're very easily pleased. So, if, you, if you'd like to uh, subscribe, you can to do that on Podbean. You can do that on Spotify. You can do that on iTunes. You go to freerangeadioc.com. That's where you get all of our episodes. You can also follow us on the social medias because, you know, we love the social medias. Love it. Only the best social medias. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All of those are at Free Range Idiocy. I would say YouTube, but YouTube is now dead to me. I've just, I've given up. <laughs> I've given up on YouTube. Well, after it's, the What's New Pussycat debacle, I think, you know. <laughs> well, you know what? Woo! Rip uh, them if they can't take a joke. That's what I always I know, say. I know, I know. So, but the, the, and if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions for us, you can send those to Tim at freerangeidiocy.com and he will respond to you sometime in the next year. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we'll do something with those. See, I'm not season sure three. what. <laughs> Season three, yes. We'll save those for season three. If we get renewed, keep your fingers crossed. Ah, uh, yes. Basically, it comes down to whether or not Tim can put up with me for another year. And so far, it's been, what, 20 years that we've known each other? Absolutely. So Will you stop? <laughs> you stop. <laughs> we, 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 have, we have known each other longer than, than Bobby the Brain and uh, pretty much any like commentator team has been together. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been a uh, a friendship spanning the decades, my friend. Woo! Yes, and and Tim is saying, and I could have been in such a better place in my life. With that. <laughs> stop it! And I just not known this chucklehead. Just stop it! <laughs> <laughs> I could have been somebody. I could have been. A, I could have been an executive by now. Oh, jeez. Well, it's yeah. It, it, that's it, what's been holding me back. <laughs> Dude, I'm an only child. I'm used to being blamed for everything. So I've got, I have this never-ending reservoir of guilt oh, that I can gosh. draw. It's my, it's really my, it's it's my superpower. Is oh. really what it is. Uh, and, and actually, I since we are talking about comic book movies, I will actually share. I, I do have a superpower. 
Oh, I, I, well, do tell. I do. I have a superpower, and unfortunately, I, everyone wants to be a superhero. I don't know why my voice just did like a Jay Leno thing there, but that was a, that was very weird. I'm going to start shilling Tostitos next, but uh, but everyone wants to be the superhero. Mm-hmm. I've realized that my superpower makes me a supervillain by default, and that is because my superpower is that I can tangle any microphone, instrument, or, or power cable known to mankind. <laughs> He's known as just, the tangler. <laughs> yes, just by being in the vicinity. When, oh my god! When I was when I was when I was in bands, I would I would carefully coil all of my cables. I would have the little the little Velcro things to keep them all. I was I was fastidious in my in my cable and in, in my setup and 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 tear down yep. and all of that. I would take a cable out of the box. It is wrapped. It is coiled perfectly, and it has the little wrapper thing on it. I would take that wrapper thing on, and instantly it became an eighteen-point sailor's knot. Kind of like I was. I was like, "This is a sheep shank. What the crap happened?" It's one of those things that you couldn't probably do it if you like put your mind to it and tried. You know, it's just it's one of those things that you just couldn't actually do on your own. So I'm a supervillain. That's what it really comes down to. You walk in the room and wires just tangle themselves. (sighs) It's horrible. Where were we before I started talking about that? Uh, Um, I... Don't oh wait, know. it's it's been a it's been a been a few weeks here, so I feel like we're kind of getting back into our stride. We were like every single week through lockdown and quarantine because I mean, what else are we going to do? That's fair. There was nothing else that we were going to do, so we were doing this, and then, it put and me then in we the took hospital. a couple of weeks off. Exactly, and then. <laughs> So we have a new segment. It's called Timmy Went to the Hospital. <laughs> oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. Oh, God. And, it, and it's pretty much, I'm, I'm sure that, again, it was me. Oh, it was, it's got to be something that I did. So, again, this, this endless reservoir of guilt that I have. I, <laughs> as soon as I heard that you were like, dude, I went to the ER. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm fi- it's finally happened. What did I do? <laughs> I, the tangler I strikes fight. again. <laughs> I drove him over the edge. I'm picturing you going to like to the mental hospital, oh, like talking gosh. to your wife. I just can't take this chucklehead no more. I can't. <laughs> but you are you are a okay. You got a clean bill of health. I have a clean bill of health. Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, well, as far as much as one can who, who eats like approximately eight pounds of bratwurst per week. Uh, in, you in, have a clean in bill fairness, of health. the brats that, that the Tsar of Char has grilled has been mainly for the uh, the, the the children. So it is is not my concern. I, however, have been consuming the red meats around steak and, you know, uh, skirt steak and so forth. So so much like Wu-Tang is for the children, brats are for the children. Exactly. That's what you're trying to say. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. I understand now. But uh, but you're you're back. I'm back, baby. We can we can rebuild him. We can make him stronger, Uh faster, taller. Did they do that? Make, they they managed to get you taller. They, well, they stretched me. Uh, see, <laughs> that's the only reason I want to go to the hospital is I'm hoping I can gain maybe a couple inches. Of course, my 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 vertical jump is shot. So now I, I will I, say it's not I, like I do any good on basketball court. I will say I I was a recipient of one of the what they call rapid COVID tests where where they can give you a result within 20 minutes. And I got to tell you, having uh, a swab. You know, slammed up your nose and uh, and and have your brain tickled is is fun. So <laughs> they're not technically supposed to slam it. Did you say something to make them angry? Oh god, no, no. They they were very good. Uh, my my care was phenomenal. It was just uh, not not the most comfortable test to have taken. So 
At one point, that was the SAT, but now that has been displaced by this one. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, and that's saying something, because that proctologist, I mean, he apparently <laughs> had very gentle hands. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's the smoothest hands ever. He must moisturize oh, constantly. Geez. Anyways, we went to a place. I didn't I, want to go there, oh, man. Jeez, Louise. See, the problem is, again, once again, I'm sweating like crazy down here. I'm just... I'm. We're like eight minutes into here, and I'm, oh my goodness, yeah, oh yeah, I'm like I'm like a I'm like a, a shady like savings and loan executive going to a <laughs> going to a freaking deposition. I'm sweating, sweating like my life depends on it. So, anyways, uh, that being said, that means that uh, I need some liquid refreshment. So, sir, the question is, uh, what you drinking? To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. There it is. Oh, we got ourselves a bottle this time. We do. Uh, we we are we're still uh, tapping into the Lining Kugel Summer Shandy Ooh. Uh, from Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. So uh, yeah, we we will be enjoying this. And then as backup uh, later on, we have a Dogfish Head Slightly Mighty Locale IPA because uh, after what I went through, I need to be a little more careful. So. <laughs> So essentially, you're you're still eating all the red meat, but then you're having like a diet coke. Essentially, That's uh, what essentially, we're doing. yes. <laughs> you're that guy going to the drive-through, getting five Big Macs, two large fries. Oh, and a diet coke, because that'll make all the difference. That just balances it right out. It actually, uh, it not only has no calories, it actually t- it takes away calories. It has a negative three thousand calories. Exactly. Most people don't know that. And, Most and, people and, don't. And what, sir, are are you imbibing uh, this evening? Well, hang on a second here. Let's see if we can. Yeah, oh, there we go. That was kind of weak, but uh, so I I was going to indulge in some uh, some bourbon because uh, my bootlegger has has come back. He he made oh his he round. returned he returned from the fair bluegrass He's state. He's pounded down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? Uh, he brought back some quite lovely. Uh, so, some quite lovely selections for oh, me. Nice, nice, nice. However, today was was hot here <laughs> in in Maine, and how hot again, was it, Todd? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was so hot, people took off two layers of flannel. Hey, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. But um. So it was uh, it was hot enough, and then I remembered I was I was going to sample one of those, and then I remembered how boiling hot I've been during these last couple episodes, and I thought, no, it's a cold beer kind of night. Yeah. So tonight yeah. we are we are indulging in Geary's Ixnay Gluten Removed Pale Ale. Ah, which the, is, sk- the the gluten was skimmed. Yes, it was. It was, and uh, that was that's a main brewery, Geary's, uh, and very good. Probably nice. one of the closest beers to being an actual real beer of course it's because it's gluten removed it's technically not gluten free yeah so take that for what you will very nice very nice yes so uh let's get let's get into the subject at hand Mm. which so we kind of wanted to talk about this because we've we've talked about different ideas of how to approach comic book movies and we had talked about maybe ranking all of the MCU movies and and doing all these things and and we still might do that because hey we got to talk about something but I thought this was a good way to bring back kind of that best worst gimmick that we've used from because there really is there's some good and dear sweet mama there's some bad <laughs> comic movies as well. 
<laughs> and and the funny thing is, so yes. Ke- Kevin Smith was doing an interview and he talked about you know. He talked about uh, you know comic books and comic book movies and all that, and he was like, "Wow, you know, there's not really bad comic movie." And and he really has this like very sunny side of the street sort of thing. I'm like, "All right, I guess if you're just happy to see a comic book made into a movie, any kind of movie, then that's great." But I happen to believe there was there have been some some shoddy ones made, and they yeah. they they happen to be made primarily by one company. Um, <laughs> we won't mention that quite yet it'll become blindingly obvious later spoilers yes yes spoilers um yeah i'm not gonna spoil so anyways uh so that's what we're doing tonight we're gonna talk about some of our we're gonna start with the best and then we'll go to the worst the best. yes and uh, do you have anything that you want to add to this before we dive in sir uh well we, we didn't sort this out in the pre-production meeting but i just want to understand <laughs> are we going uh five to one or one to five or how, how do you want to do this Let's uh, let's do five to one. Now, right. actually, another another question for you: Were you a comic book collector growing up? I fully full transparency. I was not. I, I ah. however, uh, I was friends. Uh, my my good friend Matt was was a big comic book collector, as I remember, and I got introduced to some things through him, but never, uh, you, you know, like X Men and. Um, I think uh, I don't remember if it was Batman or something else, but but I just remember um, you know he, he and his he and his brother I think had had a good collection going and um, and, and that kind of opened me up to that world a, a little bit, but I never really dove into it and I never really became a collector, um, which may explain why when we get to the worst, why I my, my list is rather short because it, <laughs> in, in, again in being fully transparent. When I hear that a comic book movie isn't really good, I really don't give it the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> which so, is probably good. So yeah, well, you know, in, in fairness, you probably should, uh, you know, I probably should be uh, equal in jester of, of comic, uh, you know, movie content. But but no, I I, I just got uh, hooked into Marvel uh, a lot, you know, with 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 the movies that, that they put out and, and just the quality of them. Really enjoyed the 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 Christian Bale ba- or, or the. Uh, uh, Christopher Nolan uh, Batman mm. series, um, and I did like uh, the original Batman. You know the the classic one with Ke- Michael Keaton and um, Jack. Well, don't Nicholson. go don't go start giving away the entire list here. I mean, so well, I, I'm trying to give people an Save idea of something. what what I got into. You know, like like, yeah. like that was it's really been movies is really where I've kind of sunk my time into when it comes to comics. Right on. How about you, sir? Well, were were you a collector back in the day? I was actually. And I, I so can actually So you have way more you. legitimacy in your list than I do. <laughs> well, not necessarily. Now let me let me let me go with this uh, explanation. My first comic book. I can actually tell you exactly where I bought my first comic book, and the the title and the number. I, I couldn't tell you the year, but if I looked it up, I'm sure nice. I could find it because you know you know the number in the book. I mean, <laughs> not too far on the internet. Yeah. So it was GI Joe number thirty-seven, and I bought it at a drugstore in rochester new hampshire okay and i'm pretty sure i still have that book sitting out in my comic collection which is in my garage right now Uh. so i was never into i i I never really got into some of the classic books i i was a big x-men fan i loved x-men and i got into fantastic four Okay. And I also had some Spider-Man comics, but I really didn't follow any of the main Spider-Man titles. I was really I was an 80s kid and I loved GI Joe, I loved Transformers, yep. so I actually I bought a lot of trans uh, a lot of GI Joe books. I actually I no, I think I still do. I think I still have the full collection of Transformers comic books 1 through 50. The first the original 
run of them, one through fifty. I have that complete. Wow! And those are just kind of like those are my books, and then I've an X Men, and then I would add in a few more here and there. And I I have a couple odds and ends of the kind of the main titles, like I have a couple Thor yep. books and stuff like that. But I was I was a little bit of just kind of a weird sort of collector, and then I started getting into like Image Comics and some of the other books that came out uh when when they kind of started their thing and i i don't i did not have a particularly valuable comics collection mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but i enjoyed it a lot and i enjoyed the storytelling and i did enjoy the fact that even in something like uh looking at like transformers for instance the the stories in the comic books were so much more in depth and kind of more mature than they were for the the tv shows of course because the tv shows were like 30 minute toy commercials right, that's right. all they were and and same with gi joe but the gi joe comic books actually had some depth to them so i really enjoyed those so that i felt like when when comic book movies really started to take off properly i was like ooh, you know it, it's kind of resonated with me yeah kind of in a way not definitely not to the degree that it does with kevin smith because kevin smith is by far and away much more of a, a comic book collector and and could speak more intelligently about a lot of uh, comic book issues than me, yeah. But yeah. I, I, I feel a certain, a, a certain kind of uh, a, alliance with his thoughts when he talks about like the whole thing with, um, oh my gosh, who was it? A uh, Scorsese, who, who basically was saying, yeah, comic books are not cinema, and this and that. Yeah, I, I you know, I actually watched. You sent me that clip, and and I think you said you put it in the show notes. Um, yeah, that I, I watched that clip in the hospital. Nah. Because uh, let's face it, I had nothing else to do. Um, and yes. uh, as as I watched it, I, I really appreciated the way he addressed that because I feel I felt that whole thing that happened with what Scorsese said just got totally blown out of proportion. I felt not not that it was wrong for people to kind of fire back at him based on what he said, but I felt like Kevin Smith gave a really intelligent answer to that. You know, and 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 yeah. and, and I could completely see where he's coming from. And, and in a lot of ways, um, I, I like the analogy he gave where, you know, if you went up and challenged Scorsese on, on musicals aren't film, you know, for example. Yes. Yeah. You know, kind of understanding that there's, you know, a, a, a time and, and, and kind of a, a, a you know, there, there's a lot of what we like is based on, on the relationships that, that we kind of remember from, from those things. And he was tying that in. And I thought it was just a really very well thought out and, 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 uh, intelligent way to, to kind of argue that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, and I agree with him in a lot of ways. I think, I think that is very true because I think, you know, any generation gets kind of locked into the, you know, the, the, the pop culture and art of its time. And, you know, I, I can sit and listen to the music. For example, I, you know, we, we've done a podcast on the music we like. I can listen to music from the eighties where my kids, I really know, you know, interest in it and it just doesn't resonate with them. And I sit there and try and I'm like, how does this not resonate? But, but again, I, I have to look at how I was with my parents, you know, when, when, when you listen to stuff from the sixties and seventies, it didn't necessarily click with me right away, you know, as, mm-hmm. as a kid, you know? And, and so I think, you know, that, that explanation he gave was just really, really interesting. Yeah. And I think it was, the, I, I think he wrapped it in context, which was the thing that most of the people who were just trying to flame Scorsese was were missing that you have to put it in some sort of context to and in a context in a way of retorting instead yeah. of just going oh yeah well blah 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 because you know then you're then you're essentially just telling the guy who made Goodfellas, Raging Bull, and a, a host of other movies that are just amazing. You don't know squat, 
and right, it's like, right. do you know who looks ends up looking like the a hole there? It ain't Marty. Right. <laughs> it's you, Mister Keyboard Warrior, who's never gotten off your couch and hasn't made any of these flicks. The way that Kevin Smith approached it was trying to make an apples to apples sort of argument, and I think it ties into that whole. Uh, there's there's always like high cinema, and then there's lower cinema. You know, you wouldn't equate some of the great. You know, like Citizen Kane or, or some of the great movies of or a Raging Bull or a Goodfellas or, or a Godfather or anything like that with some of the more low kind of base cinema, like, you know, yeah. action flicks and things like that. You wouldn't necessarily say, oh, that's a one to one thing like, hey, you know what? Uh, uh, oh, my gosh. What was the movie? Uh, Fast and Furious is just as good as Godfather. Right. At that point, right. you should be immediately taken for drug testing. And actually, I'm going to say go put one step past that. You should be committed. And, and that's nothing to do with, <laughs> you know, Vin Diesel. Uh, but it's, it's just it, it, they're two different things. And they're, t- they're trying to achieve two different things. And musicals were not necessarily, I would imagine at the time, considered high cinema. Right. Right. They were they were they were kind of popcorn. You know, like you go there for an enjoyment. You're not going there to see you know fantastic writing and 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 all of this you're you're going to just to be entertained yeah and that's what yeah. you go to with for like comic book movies and things like that you're going to see the spectacle and that's what a musical is it's a spectacle because people don't burst out into freaking song in the middle of the street and then and then everybody jumps in and it's choreographed yeah yeah that's not life you right. know so it's that spectacle and i think i i agree that was a great way for him to to talk about it and to actually Make a make a coherent point with it, which was nice. Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about these movies, even when we're saying like the worst, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's you know, that's two idiots' opinion on a podcast. Take it for what you will. This is not trying to speak for everybody, but we're also when we talk about this, we're we're and talking about our favorites, or you know what we feel is the best. Just kind of our our opinion on what makes these maybe possibly ascending to a level above that kind of low popcorn movie sort of thing, and like no, they, these are actually really good, and mm-hmm. might you know maybe they're not high cinema, eh, they're they're in that middle area. Maybe a couple of them might even be knocking on the door. Ain't going to be let in, but they're knocking. Well, but it, but if you're someone who's listened to the show, you and and you've listened to a lot of the B, you know our, our BSG episodes. You, you will know that you and I are of a similar mind that the thing that we lock into when we really enjoy something is, is the story, the depth of story, the depth of characters Mm. and you know, the, the action's great and everything, but, but I think, you know, where, where you are, you know, a writer at heart and, and can, you know, I, I'm assuming one of the things that I don't mean to speculate here or assume, but I... Oh, no, speculate away, co- Correct Please. me if I'm wrong. You make me sound so much more interesting than I really oh, am, so I appreciate will that. you stop? <laughs> <laughs> but but an, an appreciation of, of when you have writing that develops those things well, and and I think that's going to be a reflection in our best and worst. I, I think it's yeah. not just the fact that when, when we talk about things that are the worst, it's not... Because we, we like dumping on things or, or, or you know, there, there is nothing salvageable out, out of those films or anything like that. But I, I think it's safe to say most of the films in the worst category tend to have weak stories and weak character development. Mm, um, and and yes. that is something that you and I have a hard time connecting with when it's not present. The ones that are the best are uh, and, and, you know, I'll speak for myself. You're going to hear a lot of that for me is, is around the story. And, mm-hmm. and around the characters and, and 
the the intricate way stories have been told, especially across films, which we saw with Marvel. So, so I think uh, you know it's it's uh, you know not so much buyer we buyer beware, but you know if you've listened to Battlestar episodes, you you you, you smell what we're cooking. Exactly. And one more point before we get into this, I know we've we've taken way too much time to get into this and preambled just, our way just into stretching this infinity. into a three-hour novel go for it oh good lord it, it's already heading that direction i just looked at the clock i'm like oh wow that's a lot of time so where we are restricting these two movies that we have actually seen so for all of the like the deep geeks out there who are like uh well you know the uh, the fantastic four movie that was made back in the early 1990s just in order for them to keep the rights <laughs> <laughs> that was a much worse movie. No, I didn't see that. I've seen stills. I've seen a couple videos. It looks horrible. You're correct. But I have not seen it in order to actually judge it. So we're going to restrict these to movies that we have actually seen. Correct. Right? Yes. All right. Let's start off with the best. He's the best. I love it. So let's hear your number five, sir. What do you got? Uh, so coming in at number five. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> going full on. Full on DJ. That's I like right. It. That's right. Um, is Captain America: Civil War? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I select uh, Avengers two point five. Avengers two point five. Uh, I selected this one because, well, for for a number of reasons. Um, w- one thing that really stood out on this one was I really appreciated how they wove the after effects or the aftermath of what happened in Avengers two. Mm, uh, which yeah. was which was the decimation of Slovakia, Sokovia, sir. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Sokovia, <laughs> Slovakia. Thirty seconds in, you've blown your cred already. Yeah, no, well, sorry. my 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 cred was blown at minute two. So, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my world, uh, Sokovia. But the way that that kind of wove into um, the story at, on a number of different levels. Um, one of them being kind of the primary driver of a wedge between Tony Stark and, uh, and Captain America. Uh, one of them being the primary driver behind the villain of that movie, um, Helmet Zemo. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, on top of it, kind of layered on top of that is the fact that it was this, like you said, it was like Avengers 2.5, even though it was billed as a Captain America movie. It was this bringing together of all of these superheroes, but in a way where they're fighting against each other. And they did it in a way where you're not necessarily locked in on to one side or another. I mean, they definitely amp up the 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 Tony Stark, you know, kind of snarkiness and and uh, and egomaniacal side of him in this Mm -hmm. movie. And, And I and I think it works. It's it's not over the top and it's not out of the context of the character. Um, but when you factor in, you know, there, there's the Sokovia Accords where, you know, causing that division between the heroes uh, and, and, you know, do, do they sign it and become kind of under the thumb of the government or do they reject this and continue to do what they've been doing since even though they've been causing a lot of damage and wreaking havoc, so to speak, but it, it's been for the greater good. All of these things are really interesting. And then, and then, of course, the layer on top of that is what you end up finding out about you know about Bucky's involvement with with Tony's parents' death, and and how that kind of puts it into now uh, a Tony versus Captain America like actual fight, which you just never thought you would see. I mean, I remember watching the trailer for this and seeing that scene where both Bucky and Captain America are are fighting Iron Man. Like, oh, this stuff's just gotten yeah. real here, people. 
know? Oh yeah. It, it, it was, it was, it, it, but it was so well done. And, and, you know, I just, you know, I just kind of did that, that diatribe about how we like story and so forth. But this to me is what Marvel just, just did so very well across these movies over the past, you know, 10 to 12 years is just how they, it, it, it wasn't like just one stop storytelling for each movie each movie had an impact on moving the overall narrative forward of, of all of these heroes and little bits of that, that narrative moving forward gets sprinkled into these stories here, there and everywhere. Yeah. And, and it, it just, it all just, all of this stuff just came together so nicely in, in civil war, which ironically was a movie I happened to see in the hospital room last week. So, um, <laughs> so I was reminded of why this was so good. And, uh, and and it, it was just uh, yeah for for me it was a is definitely a top five it, it 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 took a concept of good you know normally it's good versus bad and it 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 really emphasized and nuanced you know kind of that gray area that that can happen sometimes between people who have good intentions on both sides you know and yeah. and it turns into something that they they just have a philosophical difference on and so it, it was. For for me that that's why this one was was so good and why I have it in in, in number five. Yeah, I for, for me I'm just amazed when I watch this movie in retrospect the amazing amount of work that the Russo brothers did and also of course this is Marcus McFeely who who wrote this and you know they they did the, this is the team that ended up doing Infinity War and Endgame. But man, I mean, you—it's you, easy to forget after we've seen like Infinity and Infinity War and Endgame, just how huge those movies were. Yeah. But good lord, the the heavy lifting that went into this, mm-hmm. because what they managed to do in this movie is remarkable. They managed to intro Spider-Man. Yep. Bring him into the Marvel universe without having to shoot Uncle Ben again. Yeah. Which was nice to bring him in in such a way that you got that character you got that character you did not and there was this was before homecoming so you got that character like just with that with a very few scenes because you didn't have any time to waste in this movie there was there's so many characters in this you managed to bring in spider-man you managed to introduce black panther yep and i mean Again, you're setting him up. You managed to, to further everything with, with Bucky, which is, you know, an arc that began with Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. You, you bring it, you, you actually pull Ant-Man in, in, which had been a solo movie. So now you're bringing him kind of into the fold and making him more involved. Then you also, and just in, even in little ways, like you bring Thunderbolt Ross in from The Incredible Hulk, right. which was the Edward Norton movie that kind of was like, everyone's like, well, is this is this kind of part of it or is it not? And, and now you're like, well, I guess it kind of is part of the Marvel Universe, really. Yeah. Because it was, it was sort of that weird thing. Like, well, does it count or does it not count? Because, well... Edward Norton wasn't really interested in doing it anymore after that. So now we're we just forgetting that ever happened. You know, it's sort of like it was like it's like watching WCW really. Like are, <laughs> did what happened last week matter? Do we do we push the reset button again? Oh, Is that how gosh. it works? Does any of that any of that meaning anything? Anything? Oh, oh we're going back to what happened 6 months ago. Okay, cool. Funny. Gotcha. But there was so much to do and they did it so elegantly. Yeah. So elegantly yeah. and 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 made a compelling story that fit in with everything that that you tie in with with Tony Stark's parents and everything. Oh my gosh, it was it was gut wrenching. Yeah, 
absolutely gut-wrenching and everybody got a little space of time even if it was just minuscule even like with with even the moment like when they're on the raft yeah. and you've got all the you got half the heroes are locked up and and hawkeye is doing you know here he is the futurist yeah and again you're like yep okay i got a little i got a little more shading in Hawkeye's character, like man, he is a snarky jerk. Yep. <laughs> in some ways, well, you know, okay, I got it, and, and it was and, awesome. And you know, the, the the great way that they've they've developed these characters over the movies, you know, um, over the course of the movies, you know, what what helped make you know Tony Stark in some ways, I hate to use the word the villain, but but in a lot of ways, that's what that's kind of the role he was playing yeah. in this in some way was the fact that. And, and, and I noticed this when I watched it last weekend was I, I, I was feeling myself getting aggravated with him because mm-hmm. and, and that that scene you call out was was one of those times when when Hawkeye calls him out on that, that, you know, here's a guy who operates at, at his own pace doing what he thinks is, you, you know, the only way to do something. And, you know, he, he just thinks he's right. And when he's wrong, he's dismissive. of You know, he's just very arrogant. You know, very well. Arrogant. He even says in Iron Man Two that I will serve at my own pleasure. Right, right. And the one thing you count on me is me pleasuring myself. Yes. I'm like, okay, that was <laughs> serve at my pleasure. Jeez. <laughs> oh, but but Which actually, just to take a quick detour, another great intro in a Marvel movie when it's like, hey, we just recast Rhodey, and they and he has him walk down that aisle, and uh, he's like, I'm here. Let's let's deal with it. Let's move on. Yep. I'm just like, that's so good. Yeah, so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Anyways. just just the way they, they brought all these characters together. And, you know, we joked that this was Avengers 2.5, but, you know, it really speaks to them that they branded this a Captain America movie, which it was. Mm-hmm. He, he was really the focal point of it with Bucky and with Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And but but they had enough of a out of the box sort of frame of mind with this to bring all of these other main characters in. You know, like like to bring Black Widow and, and to bring Scarlet, you know, Scarlet Witch and to bring... You know, like you said, introduce Black Panther. Intru- you know, bring bring all of these characters together who, in their own rights, could have had their own movies. Mm-hmm. Was, was I don't want to say it was groundbreaking, but you you don't normally see that. You know, and and so they they really did, in in my mind at least, break some ground the way they did that. Well, I think it's it's it speaks to how Marvel has decided to introduce characters. Yeah, yeah. And how and how to bring characters in, and they've and they've taken those opportunities. To bring characters in, but bring them in in a meaningful way. I mean, I mean, good lord, Black Panther's intro into this, yeah, like they kill his dad approximately thirty seconds into, like that portion of the movie, right, right, and and set up his entire story arc, yep. based off of that. And and you're like, oh my god, instantly you're you you buy into this character, and you buy into why he would be, you know, why he he's out for all of this. And I mean, oh, it's it's incredible. It's incredible the way they managed to do that and bringing in and bringing in Spider-Man and just who he is and and it's like yeah. to have the to to just to have the confidence to be okay with like hey by the way we're just going to introduce him and he's already Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no origin. He's just already he's a kid who's already Spider-Man and we're going to just assume that everybody kind of knows. Yeah. Because ev- no ever that's that's so much confidence in the directors and in the writers. Mhm. For for the the studio to sign off on that, because everybody wants the origin, everybody wants to see all that, and they're like, "Hey, this is a character that we haven't seen in this universe before," and they're like, "Nah, nah." Everyone knows who Spider Man is. We're just gonna throw him in there. Yeah, 
that's a lot of confidence. And also, you know, just but just the way they did it is just oh oh. If you could see me right now, the chef's kiss just mwah, oh. <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Magnifique. Especially, all they had to do is like, especially when they came up with that big title card, just like Queens, and you're like, yes, <laughs> there's only, there's only but one reason you're going to Queens, That's baby. Right. That's right. I better not see an apartment with Kevin James. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> nice. If I see, if I see Kevin James and Leah Remini, I'm out. <laughs> I'm walking out of this I'm finished. Place. But anyways, so that was a fantastic pick. So Thank you. Fantastic Thank you. fifth pick. And what about um, you, I, sir? What is your number five? My number five. I'm going. I'm going way back, folks. Let's all hop into the way back machine. Let's all let's all head back on to 1989, and we're gonna do we're gonna do a bat dance. Oh my gosh, I can't even, <laughs> can't even. But uh, but 1989's Batman. We are talking Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, mm. Kim Basinger, mm-hmm. Batman, yes. baby. Oh, this I and I had to go with this one because Old this school. is where it, this is where it all started. Yeah, this is where it all started, and this movie was so amazingly huge when it came out. Oh like, my you couldn't, gosh, it was you could yeah you couldn't walk down the school hallways without seeing at least like three Batman T-shirts, yeah. two like pins on backpacks. I mean, all I mean, just it, it was everywhere. It was everywhere, mm-hmm. and I still to this day say that ba- uh, that Michael Keaton was one of the best Batman. Yes, Batman, bat choices to play Batman. How about we go with that? Yes. I'm I'm not even trying to figure out how to grammatically say that correctly. I didn't even say gr- how to say. Never mind. I'm all over the place. So, but he was all, a great choice to play Batman because he is a dude who you could literally picture hanging out in a cave. Like Michael Keaton just has that innate sort of level of weirdness yeah. that he can dial up just at at the touch of a button. Oh my gosh, fantastic! And and, and there's an oh man, I already blew it all the way in here. So, uh, so <laughs> hey Heather, how you doing? Oh, uh, um, so, <laughs> that was it's, neat. Yes, but I mean, oh my gosh, such a great movie. The I mean, Jack Nicholson was the perfect Joker. And, and I love how this has been kind of – I really like how the, you look through the different eras, and we'll get to another era of Joker, but you look at 1960s, 70s, Batman, it was so campy. Of course Cesar Romero is the choice. Of course he is. You know, and he's goofy and over the top, and it was wonderful. Yeah. And then you get late 80s, and you get a slightly sinister, unhinged – Gentlemen, let's broaden our mind. Joker, and you're like, oh, who's the natural choice for that? Of course, it's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of like this Come on, it's perfect. And of course, you have Prince doing the soundtrack. And Kim Basinger, who at that point was like, you know, she was she was the woman who was in every movie because you know. She was the the beautiful actress who mm-hmm. was in in everything. Yeah, and but I think she I she was really good as Vicky Vale in this movie. Yeah. I thought I yeah. I was I have no complaints with this movie. And uh, even the guy who played uh, Al uh, uh, no it was uh, Albert Pennyworth. I th- uh, no that's the name of the character. Alfred Pennyworth is the name of the character. I forget the name of the actor who plays Alfred in this movie, ah. but he was fantastic. Actually, I could look at it because I've got it right in front of me. Um, where is he? I'm looking myself. Ah, Michael Go. Yeah. Or Michael Goff. Uh, oh, of course. And uh, I even forgot Jack Palance plays Grissom. 
holy crap, I forgot about that. Yes. And Jerry Hall. Yeah. And then, of course, we get to, I mean, then there's, I mean, Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent was, <laughs> I was always a little ticked off that we never got Billy <laughs> D. as Two-Face. <laughs> I mean, I love me some Tommy Lee Jones. I'm but sorry, I wanted Billy D. I'm, I'm sorry, but 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 Billy D. was in full Lando Calrissian at that moment. Oh, I mean, he was yes, just he like was. that group of vipers. You know, just the way he said that, it was yes. like, oh, it's Billy D. Baby. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact is, like, I actually think that Billy D. kind of is Lando Calrissian. <laughs> I think that's oh, a very. Gosh. Oh my goodness! I, yes, yeah. I think we're we're kind of close to who he is. Oh man. Which is, I'm, I believe me, probably I told have, him to leave the Colt 45 behind when he was in Cloud City. Oh, you know? works every time. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, uh, it's just overall just a fantastic movie. Yeah. And I've, I, yeah. I, it really kind of began this whole process because it showed that you can make a comic book movie, make a, make a movie out of a comic book and make money with it because this made all the money back in the day. Yeah. It was so huge. It was everywhere. And, and, it, well, and to and, me, still stands up. Still stands up. And stylistically, it was so different. I mean, I, I don't, I don't. Oh, remember Tim Burton. If, I mean, my goodness. If the term steampunk existed back then, I, I know it mm-hmm. kind of is a thing now, but but it was a very steampunkish kind of you know style that Tim Burton brought to it. You know, and yeah. it, you know, for you know, I, I don't know that years or, or or time frames were ever really discussed in the movie, but you know, you you would watch it and and. A lot of things Batman was doing seemed to use, you know, you know, kind of modern technology, but it was all kind of housed in this sort of antiquated, you know, yes. like framework, you know, and stuff. Yeah. And so it, was, it was really interesting how you, you, you had that, that, you know, kind of back and forth dichotomy there of, yeah, here's this technology, but it's all really, you know, kind of old schooly looking, you know, old timey looking sort of thing. Yeah. And I mean, this is the first Batman. Uh, I'm sorry. This is the first Batmobile that we saw besides the original. Yes. And it was yes. badass. I mean, it was approximately 800 feet long. Mm-hmm. It was a land yacht. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they even had to acknowledge that by having him like the, the grappling hook around like the, uh, around like a lamppost or something so he could make a tight turn. I'm like, oh, <laughs> boy, this is really meant for the urban area. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. great on straightaways, but if you've got a corner, never mind. It's like a school bus. Yep. But it was it was I just I loved Michael Keaton as Batman yeah. and I I still and apparently apparently we're getting Michael Keaton back as Batman. Really? Yes. Where? For um oh my gosh, I forgot what it is. I don't know if it's in The Batman or if it's in uh one of the one of the shows that's coming up. But yeah, there's there's some nego- negotiations going on and we might get I'm Batman back. Very nice. Oh, Oh, oh my goodness. Very It'll be nice. great. It'll be lovely. So that's my number five pick. And a solid one it is, my friend. Well, thank you. And and what do you got at number four? Uh, I'm following kind of in the same vein. Uh, I am going to uh, call Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight or The Dark Knight mm. as my number four. This one, I, I mean, I, I've, I'm very much a fan of that trilogy um, as a whole. But this one in the, this, the second movie kind of right in the middle was um, – you know, in large part because of, of Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker uh, mm-hmm. and, and just how how he took something that people thought couldn't be redone. In the You know, Jack Nicholson kind of broke the mold when he did his Joker, and I know there was a lot yeah. kind of writing on this of, you know, how is Heath Ledger going to top that? And, man, did he top it and then some. You know, just, just having this um, lot more – 
you know, Jack Nicholson played a bit more of a clownish Joker, um, you know, who, who certainly had a dark side. But this was this was the Joker as a psychotic, you know, just maniac, and and, yeah. and just you know chaos. If, if chaos could be you know kind of manifested in human form, this is what the Joker was. And um, well, let me ask you this quick question, yeah, because I I really feel like the difference the difference between the Batman you know kind of trilogies, because let's just pretend that you know the last couple with the Joel Schumacher. Batman's didn't happen. So the the definition between the Joker, like to me, like Jack Nicholson, late 80s, you know, still kind of the 80s excess heading into the 90s sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Very it fit in very well, like just over the top, but yet also kind of this this kind of, uh, I, I mean, psychopathic. Yeah. Yeah. Tendencies inside inside to him. Whereas Heath Ledger, he's Heath Ledger's Joker was very much like a post 9-11 like a terrorist yeah. kind of take on the Joker of just chaos. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is paramount is just causing chaos to the exclusion of all else including his own survival. Correct. Correct. I mean, when when you see him in the beginning of the movie pull off a bank robbery where as, every step of the mm. way he has different members of the team eliminating one another to the point yeah. where he has eliminated every member of the team and goes off on his own with with all of the money. Yeah, you're you're dealing still with a very best. different kind of Joker at this point. <laughs> yeah, and it's still one of the best openings of a of like an action movie. Oh yeah, yeah, and especially a comic book movie. It is one of the because at that point, as soon as you understand who he is, mm-hmm. that character, you're like, oh boy, we ain't ba- we ain't back in 1989, no mo. No, no, no. This is a whole new. This is a whole new cat right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's 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 so well done, and yeah. and, and it's grounded. Uh, you know that that trilogy what what helped it you know do as well as it did was being a comic, being a dark comic book series uh, or, or series of movies, a trilogy um, with with some realism underneath it. You know, like mm-hmm. like it was grounded in it, everything they did had some measure of being grounded in reality. Um, even in, in the movie that followed with Bane, I mean, as, as crazy as that Bane character may have seemed from a reality standpoint, they still found a way to kind of ground it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and with the Joker and, you know, having him pull what he does with, um, with, with the Rachel character and, and with Two-Face, um, you know, that, that choice that, that that Batman has to make. And then ultimately yeah. later at the end of the movie, when he's basically taking people and putting, you know, pitting them against each other, um, mm-hmm. you know, just, just all of these situations where he's, he's trying to, to, to tug at the foundations of, of society and, and, and morality of people, you know, and, and you just had never seen a, a comic book villain kind of articulate, and and operate in that manner in any other movie and so i think that's just what made it so so good was you know the fact that um you know it 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 really kind of challenged the ideas of you know like like good and not good and evil but but just you know that line from harvey dent you know you're you're either the the hero or you live long enough to become the villain Mm -hmm. you know and, and and that whole concept of how they put so much into the harvey dent character as as being you know, the thing that will take Gotham out of all of all of the crime and, you know, and and uh, Bruce Wayne looking at him as kind of his way out of being Batman anymore, you know, and then having him go and having the Joker target him and turn him into 
you know, this, this, you know, basically per- pervert what he was, you know, in, into, into the Two-Face character where he then goes on this murderous rampage. Um, was just, I mean, the storytelling was just top notch, just top notch across the board. So many different threads going, so many different themes all at work and yet intertwining them all, you know, together so elegantly. Um, th- th- this was just a fantastic movie. I, I probably, if, if Marvel hadn't been so good, you know, I probably would have had all three from, from this trilogy as, as, you know, in the top five, but, but, but this one stood out, you know, head and shoulders above, above, you know, the first one and the third one. I, I thought this was, was really just the apex of that series and was just fantastic. Yeah. I was really glad that you picked this one because it freed up a spot for me because <laughs> then I could, I could choose another one. Because oh, you're this, welcome. <laughs> it, between the opening and then of course the interrogation scene with, with, with Joker and Batman. Oh, that was fantastic. Just some fantastic scenes. All overall, just great, great scenes. Regardless of the movie, regardless if it's a comic book movie or not, yeah. And, and then you put it in that context, and it's it really is amazing what Christopher Nolan did with this. Of course, I mean, Christopher Nolan's no schlub, so it's not that right. unexpected, really. Well, and and you know, you bring up that scene, and and not just you know the way that scene was acted. You know, the 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 fact that before your very eyes, you see a hero who has seemed unstoppable and just a, just this invincible force going against evil being reduced down to nothing, you know, yes. no matter how much, and, and, and he could have crossed the line and, and killed him, but the Joker was exposing the boundaries of, of what Batman can really do. And, and, yeah. you know, again, that was something that you didn't normally see in, in the same way when in civil war, where it's like good guy versus good guy because of a, an event that, that, that divides them. You had never seen a hero reduced down to, to, you know, even though Batman was exhibiting all of his strength and, and, and power over Joker in, in terms of beating him in that interrogation room, he's just sitting there laughing. Like you've got nothing. Yeah, you've got nothing. You you can't kill me. You won't kill me. And you've got nothing. And you just see him completely just defanged at that point. And mm-hmm. it was it was it was just very just just very good storytelling. Yeah, and it's it's character. It's character. That's that's the difference between yeah. like you said in the in the intro. It's the difference between a good comic book movie and a bad comic book movie. Yep. The the good ones actually do focus on the character because that's why you read a comic book. You're not reading the comic book just for oh he yeah, pretty colors in the panels. <laughs> you're, you're you're reading not. it because well sometimes, but you're reading it because you're into the character and you're into what's in the character's head and and who they are and 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 the challenges that they go through. That's why you follow it through like you know all the you know months and months and years and years and years of comic books on the same title. That's why some people have been reading. You know, Captain America for years. Some people are reading Spider Man for years. They follow that character, and uh, and 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 when you when you neglect that, and you're just like, no, it's about the explosions. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna really tick off some people who are the hardcore fans, and then ultimately you're not gaining that many fans because even people who are just going to a popcorn movie want at least some sort of character. Yeah. They want something. I mean, even in even in professional wrestling, people want to see, which is like ultimate spectacle. I mean, we're almost talking like Coliseum gladiator level spectacle. Woo! People still want some character. <laughs> they want they want something they can hold on to, not just like, you know, oh, this person beating up that person. Right. Right. 
they want something that they can kind of identify and 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 come to grips with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. At least that's my thought. Yeah. No. No. I I think that's very true, and I think some of the best wrestling storylines have been the ones where people can get invested in the character, you know, and and kind of lose themselves in this universe of you know I, I you know at the end of the day uh, uh, you know w- with with all the reality of the pain these people go through and, and 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 what they do in the ring athletically and stuff like that there there's a story they're trying to tell and and some of the best stories have been rooted in you know these kinds of themes that that you know we see in the comic book movies you know i i remember watching an interview with jake the snake roberts when he had his feud with rick rude and, and it involved his wife and he's like you know how how many people like like the the places would go nuts for me because they they could the people couldn't stand the idea of of this guy treating my wife the way that he did and and you know me coming out i mean i had to come out and 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 kick his rear end you know what i mean like that that's just how mm-hmm. it had to be because what guy wouldn't go crazy defending his wife that way you know and yeah. and so it's it's just when they can tap into those those kind of storylines that get people, you know, emotionally invested, then you've done something, you know, really, really, really good. Yeah. And that's when it transcends just, you know, the popcorn aspect of it, the spectacle, and you start actually getting into something a little bit, you know, again, maybe it's not high art, but you're really reaching people. You're you're really making them start to think and feel something. And that's... Yeah. You know, that's what that's what a lot of us are going to movies for. That's what a lot of us watch TV for and things like that. Like we want to we want to we want to be taken on that journey, that journey of emotion. Yep, exactly. At, at least I do. What's your number four, sir? My number four is another groundbreaker in that it was the the highest grossing R rated comic book, uh, highest <laughs> rated R movie ever, I believe. Uh, but certainly comic book movie because nobody had thought you could make a comic book movie that's rated R before this certainly and uh, so I'm going with Deadpool which if there was if there was an actor who was born to play Deadpool it's Ryan Reynolds I mean, he, yeah. he, he he has this character down cold yeah and and I love the fact that even though he played him in uh, in in X-Men Wolver- uh, Origins Wolverine whatever the name of that craptastic movie was where they were like hey you know there's this character that we have and uh, and he's got this nickname uh Merc with a mouth let's have him let's sew let's sew his mouth shut <laughs> at some point in that meeting somebody should have just been like get out yeah yeah i don't even need to read the books but you just gave me two pieces of information that are totally not compatible yeah and you thought it was a good idea. You're going to cost us money. You need to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody thought it was a good idea because it wound up on the big screen. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that he kind of really was a champion for this character because the character is so over the top. And I mean, even even the even the movie, which is over the top, doesn't even encompass like who this character truly is in the comic books. Like we're talking multiple personalities. Yeah like fully formed multiple personalities that are, are like having conversations internally, which you don't get in the movie or anything. But I mean, oh my gosh, it was just so fantastic. I, again, oh my gosh, I'm saying it over again. Anyways, I'm, I'm not even going to pay attention to it anymore. So, uh, but it was it was great to see someone fully commit to a character yeah. and for, for the movie itself to commit to being as close to the character as possible. 
even though that character is just so out there. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. This is going to work. And, and just some of the, the way the action is structured where it works as legit action, but also functions as comedy to take a little bit of that, like a little pressure valve to let some of the pressure out as you're watching it, because, oh my good Lord, the action in this is, um, uh, graphic to say the least. And, but, but the way that they use humor to, to diffuse that, to let the pressure out Mm -hmm. makes it more tolerable. Yeah. And, and the way that just, of course, the constant fourth breaking of the fourth wall is, is wonderful. And kind of the self-awareness that, that Deadpool has that he's in a movie and in a, in a movie universe kind of thing. And, and just the, and of course, another thing that I loved was just a proper treatment of, um, of Colossus. Oh yeah. Which I never felt like that character. I always loved that character when I was reading comic books and I never felt his character got his due in any of the movies. And just to see him as a, as that character, I was like, Oh, this is what I always wanted. Yeah. And, and oh, it's just so much to love about that movie, and, and oh man, Ryan Reynolds just knocked it out of the park. And of course, like Ajax, it was, you know, just such a, a villain that you wanted to hate, like legitimately, like you, you just wanted to punch him in the face the entire time, the entire time. Yeah. And then of course we have um oh, oh my gosh I forget her name what is her name she played uh, Angel, um, shoot is it Gina Caruso? Yes. Yeah. Is it Caruso? No, I it's it was. Uh, uh, Gina Carano. Ah, yes. Nah, you're close. David you're, Caruso. That's probably what I was thinking of. Yeah, and, and and the thing is, she will she will beat you up for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just pray that I'm you don't. I'm a dead man. Just pray that you don't meet up. Yeah, because she will rip your arms off and beat you to death with them. Mm-hmm. But she was great. I mean, even though she really didn't have a ton to do in that movie, she was just great as a badass. It really, just fantastic. Uh, fantastic. And I'm just, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to say it. So, uh, but yeah, that that whole movie was just, uh, man. And of course, you know, Dopender, you know, the cab driver who just, oh, and uh, uh, I, I can't say enough. Like, just, it was great. I, I love that movie. I love the fact that they took such a chance and went out on a limb and then it worked because now we get these types of movies as well. Yeah. I actually did not see this one. You haven't? I have not seen Deadpool. No. Oh, dude, you got to see you some Deadpool. You you would love it. All right. Love I, it. I'll, I'll, I'll have to see if I can pull it up and uh, check it out. You might want to watch that one by yourself first. Well, that's part of, <laughs> yeah, that's part of the reason. <laughs> That's it's not a family flick. No, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or no. not. But it's no, it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. There's a reason it's not on Disney Plus. Let's. Just I was just happy way. to see Ryan Reynolds get into a comic movie where he wasn't completely trash like he was in Green Lantern. So, oh man. Well, and then so okay. So then after you after you've loved you some Deadpool, mm-hmm. go watch Deadpool two and be sure to watch the the end scenes. Okay. Ah. Okay. And and you will you'll feel much better. All right, all right. Okay. All right. Um, and and actually, a, a, a good a shout out to to Brianna Hildebrand, who was Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I love that name. Is, <laughs> oh, I remember seeing that in the trailer. I thought I thought that was just such a great scene. He's just like that's the 
I mean, I can't say what he said, but he's yes. like, that's the best name ever or whatever. Oh, oh my gosh, that was funny. Well, the funny part is that that character was a character, but they switched their powers with another character in order to make the story work, and they actually had to get permission to do that, and ah. they obviously did. But I just thought she was such a great character as a foil for Deadpool mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. of like this almost like the, the, the immovable object, you know, that just coming together, like, oh, man, the un, un, you know, oh. It was, it was great. Anyways, that was my number four, just for the sheer groundbreaking aspects of the movie. Nice, nice. So what do you got What do you got for your number three? Because I think it's a pretty big flick. Uh, number three is 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 one half of, of what I feel is, is just, you know, two, I mean, near perfect movies. Um, just, just, uh, just incredible movies. Uh, number three is Avengers Infinity War. Um, you knew this one was, or, or these two were going to pop up somewhere in it because uh, they they are just uh, the the culmination of years of storytelling, mm. uh, culmination of a lot of character development and and character threads coming together and playing out in in just a really really just just amazing way. And um, the thing that I'll I'll kind of hone in on the most though with Infinity War and and why I really appreciate it. Um, is a couple things. One is, you know, kind of like we talked about with Civil War was was the way the Russos managed all of these different hero characters coming together. Mm-hmm. And the way they they told these stories as they started out together and then kind of splinter apart into different areas as the story plays out. But the 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 thing that really I really appreciated and, and I think we don't see enough of this partially because you know you can't have bad guys winning movies all the time was yeah. the, was the the development of or the focus on Thanos and and I believe what they're called the children of Thanos his his henchmen yeah. how they were kind of given a spotlight through a lot of this movie mm-hmm. and th- and and taking a character like Thanos and giving him kind of a I, I mean even though he is a villain and he's and he's wrong in what he's doing when you when you hear that, that interchange he has with Gamora, where he's talking about the simple calculus of how the universe is finite, mm-hmm. and the only way that it can go forward is by eliminating half of all life, so that you know you can continue to perpetuate, you know, plenty for all, was was just it, it was interesting and and you know elegant again. Well, I, you know we, we've used that word a couple times, but it was an elegant way of developing his character and showing that he's not a completely off the rocker villain. Like he has a purpose to what he's doing that he truly believes is the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, e- even though when we sit and look at it, it's, it's completely, you know, the taking of life is wrong, but you, you look at his reasoning and why, and you know, his history and how his world fell apart because the resources couldn't keep up with the population. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of understand where he's coming from to some degree. You know what I mean? Like, like you can understand how he's come to that conclusion, even though the yeah. conclusion is not the the morally right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that took some some thought and some some good story development to kind of get you to see that and to make him this villain that is, you know, just very purposeful in what he's doing was was really just just very refreshing it it, it wasn't like they they went in and you you were going to get this this you know I'm the bad guy girl and you know for two movies he was just going to dominate 
he 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 dominated for you know very clear reasons and and again what happened in civil war plays out in this because you mm-hmm. don't have the avengers all together on the same page yeah you know and and so again you you see the aftermath of prior movies now coming in and playing a role in in the present of what this movie is to the point where we get to the snap which is really in, in my mind is kind of like the empire strikes back moment for these movies where the, the, oh, yeah. the bad guys win, you know, and, yep. and to, to, and, and, and I th- I feel like this movie took it a step further than empire because at least in empire, you had the shot of Luke and Leia hope, hopefully looking at, you know, the uh, swirling star there as Lando and Chewie took off to get Han at the end of this, you have Thanos sitting in his, whatever his cabin was, doing exactly what he said he was going to do, which is watching the sunrise and smiling on a grateful universe. I mean, he, yeah. he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Yeah. And the only hope that you have is if you understood the, you know, the end, the end credit scene yeah. where you see the Captain Marvel signal. Right. That's, that's, right. that's your only hope. They didn't leave you with anything. No. I mean, no, you, they, you, you had members of, of, of the Avengers taken. I, I mean, and that's what was great. It wasn't just that, you know, some of the people were killed and the heroes were left licking their wounds. Some of the heroes yeah. were taken. <laughs> well, yeah. And then, I mean, even the fact that they they seem to get Thanos because they managed to destroy the Mind Stone. Right. Scarlet Witch takes out the Mind Stone. Right. And then Thanos just at the, at like a turn of a wrist, just turns back time. Yeah. You know, cue, cue the share song <laughs> and, and manages. <laughs> yep, I could turn back. Uh, Will anyways. you stop? Yes, I I will actually. Thank you. Because yeah, I I can't sound like that not without not without whiskey actually. So, uh, but but to give you that kind of like oh man, they, what what's going to happen next? Oh wait, yeah, he just undid all of that. Yeah, and then even Thor coming in and like smacking him <laughs> with a freaking axe. Yeah, and oh by the way, should have gone for the head. Snap. Yep. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's the worst defeat. The worst kind of defeat because he just got you like three times there. Like you thought you had him when you blew up the Mind Stone. You thought you had him when it was when you like chopped him in the chest with Stormbreaker. Well, and and, and which I mean the most freaking metal name for a weapon <laughs> ever. <laughs> you went from you went from Mjolnir, at, which we all know is called Mew Mew, Mew, Mew. in. <laughs> Thor the Dark World which oh, is like man. Thor the movie that we just don't ever talk about yeah, it's it, yeah. it, Pretend it, is, it never it's, happened oh my gosh it really is it's like the it's like the movie that just hides in the closet no one ever you know not even actually I should have put closet. that in my worst now that I'm thinking about it I forgot it's, about that it's like a it's like a crawl space underneath the stairs that isn't even quite big enough to be called a closet. They just stuff it in there in like this tub with a bunch of other random stuff, and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that movie. Oh yeah, we don't talk about that." Yeah. So, but all of that, and he still wins. Yeah, and like you say, it's it's the heroes that lose as well. Well, and oh my and, god, and they don't come close just once. They come close twice because on Titan they almost got him, and then mm-hmm. he defeats. You know. It, it's interesting. He he defeats essentially Iron Man and everyone who's on Titan with him, um, and and that was brutal because you've never seen Tony, you know, get you know he was basically impaled by his own his own weapon. Um, yeah. You know, well, but ultimately it's because Quill. It's because of Quill well, because right, he, he right. can't control himself because of because of Gamora's right. loss. He, he couldn't. Which yeah. is 
which then ties into like what Scarlet Witch has to go through yep. in order to destroy the Mind Stone. She essentially has to kill Vision. Yeah. Yeah. And showing those two, like the self sacrifice, and it's like, you know, Quill messes it up, which you know is kind of par for the course for Quill. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> really but, but but I mean, but I mean, even the you know the I forgot to mention that you know the the, the death of Gamora was. You know, I, oh, I'm not going to sit here and say it was shocking, but but it was it, it was something unexpected. Given, you know, you very rarely see the heroes die in these movies. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, to see one, you know, die in such a in such a deliberate fashion was, you know, was shocking. You know, in in, in, yeah. in that sense. Um, but yeah, for to have them lose just you know not only once on Titan, but then you know, so Tony's defeated, and then in essence, Captain America's defeated. You know, so so both. You know, kind of. I don't mean to single them out as the top tier heroes, but when we get into my number two pick, there is a significant amount of focus put on the two of them. Um, well, the fact is, you just watched Avengers two point five, right? And that was like the entire thing is like Team Cap, yep. Team Iron Man, yep. and and they both get their asses handed to them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. In in like the most heart wrenching ways. Yep. Yeah. And and it's like here are the two the two that were just like the the top the pinnacle. And and they just get both get smacked down. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that even uh, as Kevin Smith had mentioned before, and uh, as he eloquently put it, is you have Thanos, who I mean, of course, Josh Brolin did a great job of of the voice acting, mm-hmm. and I I think he even did motion capture and some of that. But I mean, really, Thanos is a completely computer generated character. Yeah. And yet, and yet they bring him to life. Yes, and there's so, and it, because a lot of that comes down to the character building that they do. Like even when he's when the the Gamora death scene happens, mm-hmm. just what, how that plays out and the, and what they do with that character. Like they gave that character a, an arc. Like it was a like, hey, yeah, we've got a guy in purple paint yep. instead of it being a, a CGI character. Yeah, yeah, and and really just. I mean, they gave you so much yep. of that character. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good pick. Yeah, Th- Thanos, an intelligent villain. You know, though they 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 do make the best. Mm-hmm. They do They're the most dangerous. They do make the best. And again, a, another character who really is willing to sacrifice himself. Yeah. For the accomplishment of his goal. Yeah. And ultimately, those are the most dangerous because. Usually your heroes, as committed as they are, they'd kind of like to come home. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that that uh, that always lends a little extra weight and a little more doubt as to the outcome. Yep. Yeah, and it, you know, it goes it goes to that vision he has after he does the snap with Gamora when when little Gamora asks him, you know, what did it cost you? And he's like, everything. oh. I mean, oh, it, it, yeah. it, it was just so well. I, I mean, it's just it's not a villain triumphing, try try yeah triumphing triumphantly i don't know what i'm trying to say something like it's, that it's not just him winning we'll just say um yes out, that's much better outright <laughs> it's it, it it gives him depth to have him recognize the cost yes you know what i mean and and yeah and you don't see that a lot you know typically with villains it's very cut and dry and you know they they have their their purposes and so forth and and that's all they're kind of focused on but this yeah the, to have a villain where there, there is, there is a humanity to it, and, and to him, and and to you know, to his thinking and stuff. He's just, he's someone who just had, he's off, you know, kind of the the off on a wrong path in terms of his thinking. Um, mm-hmm. Is is just the those types of villains make for very interesting stories. Definitely, because it's not just that mustache twisting sort of, exactly. yeah, you know, one dimensional character. Like you, you 
you see all of the facets of who that person, that character is supposed to be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Remarkable. They managed to do that with uh, someone with purple skin who, you know, was Grimace, essentially. <laughs> so for my number three, uh, I'm going with another origin because apparently that's just my my want this particular week. And I'm going with the X-Men, which, uh, it, not the X-Men, that wasn't the title of the movie, it was just X-Men. Mm. But this is the, uh, I can't even remember, what year was this? This was 2000, so fresh fresh at the beginning of the aughts. Ah, wasn't that a wonderful time? Yeah, was. Wasn't that just a such an innocent time when we were like, hey, we all survived Y2K, everything is going to be great this century. Oh, and little did we know... <laughs> <laughs> Little did we know what was coming for us. So, uh, but again, I thought this was a great, a great kind of intro, and and to me, one of the one of the best comic book origin stories around. It really is. It's just a great. Uh, kind of telling of the of the coming together of the team, and of course, it really is a story of of uh, really of Wolverine kind of becoming a hero as opposed to just a very angry person, yeah, uh, angry mutant, shall we say? Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, such great talent in this flick. I mean, good lord! Of course, you have Hugh Jackman, who at the time was not, you know. Capital H, capital J, Hugh Jackman. He was just, oh, that dude from Australia who's been in a bunch of musicals and plays and stuff. But, of course, then you had Sir Patrick Stewart, Sir Ian McKellen, uh, Famke Jansen, who I think, for whatever reason, I don't know why she hasn't gotten more great roles. I've liked her in every movie I've ever seen her in. I'm just not sure why she isn't in more. Yeah. Uh, Holly Berry, uh, uh, Anna Paquin, uh, at a very uh, early part of her career playing Rogue. Um, Rebecca Romaine, good. Uh, God bless Rebecca Romaine, because this was the early days of all that blue makeup for Mystique. Oh, I can only imagine the amount of hours that she spent sitting in the makeup trailer for this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good, sweet mama. That that must have just seemed like an eternity. But then again, I think she was married to John Stamos at the time, so she might have been happy just for the escape. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, that is a total swipe at John oh Stamos. Oh my. Oh my. But you know what? He's done quite well for himself, so I feel all right about it. But anyways, just a great overall telling of the story. I just I I I always go back to this as really this is kind of the modern beginning of comic book movies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. batman 89 was really kind of the the the, the front runner i mean bat, so when image comics started publishing their comics they st- i don't think i don't know if anybody else did this before them they started doing issue number zero. Oh, interesting and then they would do one, two. And before that, it was always like issue one, because that's just the way you did it. I always look, in retrospect, I kind of look at it as like Batman 89 was was like comic book movie number zero. Okay. It was something before kind of that modern era began, because this really was the beginning of the modern storytelling of, of comic book movies and things like that. That's just the way I look at it. Uh, but I, I feel like this movie just did a really good job as an origin story and really was the best until what will be my number one pick uh, and then that just blew this one out of the way uh, out of the water but really good really good flick really solid overall and uh, uh, oddly enough if I'm remembering right from my watching of DVD extras they they had to reshoot a bunch of the action sequences oh really because the the matrix came out shortly before this one. Oh, okay and they went back and looked at their action sequences and it was like oh we got to do something 
better <laughs> because the Matrix was going to kick the booty out of this one. So yeah. they had to go back and kind of reshoot some of it to to bring it up to snuff to what the Matrix had just done. Yeah. So I, I just I I think this is a, a fantastic beginning to a uh, a series. I would agree. I would agree. And and having Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen just you know gave it some gra- instant legitimacy, gra- gravitas. You know, much like um uh, Sir Alec Guinness. Yes. In Star Wars. Yes. It, it just lends it that that extra oomph because you're like, oh well, if they're in it, I mean, they're proper actors. Right. Right. You know, not that Holly Berry wasn't a proper actor, or you know. Well, Hugh Jackman. I mean, again, I, the, the, actually, where was Holly Berry in her career at that point? She'd been around for a while, yeah. so she'd been in some she'd been in some 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 big flicks, and you know. But uh, I mean, yeah, Hugh Jackman was still kind of an unknown at that point. Yeah. So yeah, really, those those two guys were really kind of, and of course, is like kind of the two main characters really of the flick. Yeah, those are the those are the main posts of the movie. So, and and did a fantastic job, I think. Yeah. As far as like portraying those two characters and and also the different layers of those characters, which was nice to see as someone who had read the comic books, being able to see the different layers and textures of those characters, not just like oh, good guy and bad guy. Right. Right. Like right. The shading of each one, I thought, was really well done. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 the fact that yeah, like like you said, that Magneto, you know, in a lot of ways wasn't just a, a cookie cutter kind of villain. You know, he no. Um, I mean that that dude had kind of a legitimate gripe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, when you see what he'd been through, it's like, oh, okay, I understand why you're pissed off. I get it. Yep. You know, uh, oh man, oh yeah, horrible. I mean, just stuff. But I mean. Again, any time that a any time, and this even goes back to to wrestling, and uh, I want to say it was "Have a Nice Day," Mick Foley's first book, mm-hmm. when he talked about, you know, it's always better, and I think it's actually something that he got from Jake the Snake was was the best villains always think that they're the good guys. Yes, they always fully believe that they are on the side of right and justice, and and Magneto truly believes that. Yeah. And in some ways, you could look at it and go, "Geez, you know, uh, in a different world, I might see that point a lot better right. than I do right now." Right. But yeah, that uh, just a, a great origin story comic book movie, and really the beginning of our modern comic book uh, movie storytelling, if you will. Agreed. So, uh, what do you got for number two of your best comic book movies? Number two would be the second half of the. Uh what they call it? The Infinity... Well, it was originally just going to be Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. Yeah. And then it was Infinity War, and then you have Avengers... Endgame. There we go. I thought they had kind of an Infinity title for both of them, but never mind. It, we'll, we'll just say Avengers Endgame. Um, well, like I said, originally it was just going to be Part 1 and 2, and then I think they decided yeah, to split and yeah. give them each That's probably title. what I'm thinking of, yeah. Um, Which ultimately I think it works better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it does too. And... You know, th- this one here as, as a number two was um, it, it it had to be if not number one it had to be number two because this to me was was the just the perfect way you know much in in the way we talked about how BSG ended and just how it just ended on on just such a great note and and you know you really had you know like like other TV shows you kind of wish they could end as cleanly as as that one did. Um, th- this one for, for movies, you know, to bring, you know, 10 to 12 years of, of storytelling to a close the way that they did and, and to pull on so many threads, uh, in mm. the process, 
was was just it just unbelievably well done. Um, this one, rather than and, and it's interesting, rather than focusing on Thanos, is now focused solely on the heroes and what they're dealing with in the aftermath of of losing. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I thought it was brilliant to do a five year time jump to have it really kind of sink in that there wasn't any quick turnaround from this. They 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 tried yeah. to in the beginning. Um, which which was like one of those like yeah let's go get that son of a bitch and then right right oh and then you're like that goes sideways and then you're like well wait a minute you know there's we've got another two hours of movie to be you know told here what's going on um, yeah, I was like are we gonna have like eighteen cutscenes in between in the in the <laughs> freaking credits like what the hell's going on how are we doing this but yeah you know, going in and 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 taking Thanos's head uh, at the very beginning of the movie only to find that. You know he had he had destroyed the stones and yeah. now they are stuck. There there is no undoing what was done. And uh, I I thought it was you know again just picking up right where Infinity War ended and continuing the you know the the captivating storytelling um, that they're so good at doing. Have it going five years in the future and having you know Tony with with a daughter now married to Pepper and yeah um, and you know to have. You know, a Captain America who is now, you know, taking the foot off the accelerator when it comes to his optimism, you know, that that he's he's you can see he's a different guy and he kind of he has to step back a little bit from that optimism he always had because he's along with, you know, the the other remaining heroes suffered a great loss. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and well, I mean, with, with Captain America, you just have to look at it's not even that he suffered a great loss. He has suffered a bunch of great losses yeah. like he is he is the, the the perfect example of like with great power comes great responsibility and that was part of that responsibility is shouldering loss yeah i mean he he's he's lost he he lost uh oh what's her uh peggy carter yep. you know he loses bucky he loses you know he just keeps losing yeah yeah. And man, it's at that at some point you just wonder like at what point even if you're a super soldier, do you just go, "All right, eff it. I'm done." Yeah. But but <laughs> I am done. But I think it goes to the conversation he has kind of in the beginning when Tony first comes back to Earth where where he where mm. Tony kind of blows up at him. Yeah. You know, and 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 I think that's where I'm more shooting at is is that piece that he he can't be the optimistic Captain America anymore because they tried and they failed. Yeah. You know what I mean, and and that chips away a little bit at at that kind of you know good soldier mentality that he's always kind of maintained over the course of all the movies, and so he he in a lot of ways is is a more humble, you, you know, not, not that he was arrogant, but he he and Tony butted heads, you know, all over the place, and here he's a bit more humble in the same way that Tony's a bit more humble now, you know, when when I, when Tony you know, comes I, back. He comes back. Yeah. I, I love the line he says that that um, oh crap. What, what's what's the characteristic? Um, not hatred, but uh, he says something is is. Um, why can't I remember it? I, I'm I'm failing on it too. When when he pulls up in the car and he gives him a shield back, he says something to the effect of not hatred, but um, what, whatever he was feeling toward Captain America was toxic or something like that. You know, yeah. and, and he couldn't do that. Um, yeah, it's such a great line. I couldn't remember it. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mean, but, but, but that to me is when we talk about depth of character and storytelling, those quotes mean something because of everything else that came before, you know, um, going all the way back to the first Avengers movie, um, 
where where Captain America lays into him as being selfish and and never being the one to sacrifice himself or being the one to 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 make that that sacrifice for for the greater good or for the overall team, and and just the 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 way that over time, you know, and and the way they continue to butt heads and how that all kind of comes together uh, in Endgame is is just really really interesting and yeah. Um, you know the, the 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 fact that you have Tony now with a daughter with something to lose, and yet at the end of it, he he realizes he has to make the sacrifice. He has to be the one to make the sacrificial play, mm-hmm. um, and then to then further layer it on and have Captain America be the one that ends up going and living a life. You know, seeing what Tony had. You know, the yeah. the fact that they both kind of learn from each other. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. Those two and and the focus they they were given were, was just so just so incredibly well done, you know. I, I I love the scene after they first fail in New York to 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 get the to get one of the Infinity Stones. I think the Tesseract, mm-hmm. and they're sitting in the car and Ant Man's going nuts and you know Tony and and Captain America are like, oh, we could go back in time again and not yeah. only get it but also be able to jump back, you know, because we can get more pin particles and the way that you know, the way that Captain America is just in sync with him. Like we've never seen Tony and Steve in sync like that. Well, at one point I think Tony says something like you trust me. Yeah. Or something like that. And I, I think at that point, the, see the, the the one part I I will slightly disagree with you and it's, it's really only in a, in kind of a vocab sort of way. Tony Stark definitely was more humble. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think Steve Rogers was always humble. I think he's much more thoughtful. Yes, yeah, that that may be the better term for it. Yeah, yeah. Because because he is much more. He's always been had a, a degree of humility, but he hasn't had that level of thoughtfulness or that deep thinking of okay, I can. Not only do I understand what you're you're saying to me, but now I'm going to try and tie all the the things together. Right. Right. And 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 what he's gone through has kind of deepen that thinking process where he's not only and, and the humility definitely plays a part like you can't you can't think and, and empathize without humility right exactly and i think he's 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 deepened that level of humility yeah uh that that level of thoughtfulness yeah. and it's because he's he started out as a humble guy yeah and but now he's had that those experiences that really have caused him to now be able to okay i can tie that into a very deep place inside of myself and understand yeah yeah. Um, yep. And I think ultimately that is why you end up seeing like what you say, like he he kind of goes and does what what Tony had. He he kind of gets. Yeah. And it is so weird. Those two gets those two get kind of switched. Yeah. I I I, I, I had thought about it, but I hadn't obviously thought about it until you just said it that way. And man, it's not yeah, Captain right. America sacrificing himself for the greater good. It's Tony, but it's Captain mm-hmm. America or Steve Rogers who ends up going and building a life for himself outside of this afterwards. Yeah, yeah because uh, ultimately Captain America has been willing to do that. Captain right. America has been all sacrifice. Right. Right. Like everything that he has done since the first Captain America movie yep. has been self-sacrifice. Yep. Whereas Tony has always been able to, hey, I can invent something. I can do this. I can do that. Yep. I can buy something and gets his way out of it. Yeah, and and then, you know, so so that plays a huge part of it, but then the the other part that has to be, you know, mentioned that made this just an incredible movie was and and Kevin Smith hits on this on on that interview you talked about is how the Russos were able to bring 
almost like the comic book page to life in that yes. final battle sequence. Oh, I mean, good. I, mean, I have yet. First of all, I have yet to watch that sequence where he says "Avengers assemble" and they they charge oh. into battle, and I don't get a chill in my spine. You know what I mean? I just got a chill with you talking about it, dude. <laughs> like right from the base of his, my spine, right up my back of my neck, the hairs stood up. Mm-hmm. You know, like and and have you seen the the videos where they the person the person was like like doing video in the theater when that moment happened. Oh yeah, yeah, I've I've seen some YouTube clips of that and and it just oh, oh my gosh. I showed those to my kid and she was just like she's she like cheered. Yeah. And we've seen that movie approximately 8 times now. <laughs> and yeah. I, but it is it's one of those cuz you waited. Yep. You waited yep. for freaking like Avengers movies to finally hear that. Yes. Yes. Oh. And 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 just just the way it was done with with them coming through the the interdimensional portal or whatever you want to call it just just having just you know again 12 years of characters yes. and build up and and all the different facets of that battle where you you had all of the female heroes kind of making their bull rush with the with the gauntlet where you had um you know, you had Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man all giving their best, and and you know mm-hmm. Thanos still you know holding them off. Um, well, Spider Man, you know, and, and yeah. Black Panther all getting their moment with it. I mean, it, it was just so well done. Well, the thing that uh, that always stood out to me, and and it goes back to like what you were talking about about that sa- self sacrifice moment, yeah. and and of course, you know, Steve Rogers having lost so much, and, and of course at the beginning. Not being the hero, mm-hmm. you know, after after this after the five year time jump and all that, and at that moment, like like he's facing down Thanos's entire army, yeah, and just that broken shield and just cinching that up, and he's ready. He's like, "This is it. Yeah. This is how I go out." You know, the demigod is over there, knocked out. You know, the billionaire, you know, not even billionaire, trillionaire, whatever you. <laughs> You know, yeah, the yeah. endless supply of money that Tony Stark has yep. is is over there in a crumpled heap. It's just me. It's me against everybody, and this is what this is how I end. And he, he's willing to do that. Like he's now come back to the the whole. You know, I can do this all day. I was just gonna say I can so do this guy. all day. <laughs> and and he's just like he's ready to go. And then just to do that callback yep. to on the on your left. Yep. Yep. And oh my, again, I'm getting the freaking tingles up my spine right. And that, <laughs> The fact that you can do that in a comic book movie, yeah. that you can evoke such emotion. It, 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 it was, it was, oh. all of it was earned. All of it. Oh, yes. They every earned every. Every single minute of it oh, was earned. Every drop of that. Every drop of that sweet, sweet Avengers Assemble. Yes. Oh. Yes. Good Lord. It was so good. So good. And then, and, and you know, and, and the ending and, and the way, you know, I, I thought it was appropriate for, for, for Tony to, to do you know, to do what he did, which was oh, to just man. accept accept the fact that the only way this was going to end to their favor was for him to make the sacrifice. And mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, to have that call all the way back to the first Avengers, when 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 Steve Rogers threw that gauntlet at him, I mean, not literally, but just threw threw that challenge yeah. at him, yeah. and saying, "Look, this is who you are," and to see, and and again, there, there's an irony there because now he he does have something to lose, and he even says in the movie, he's like, "I got to protect what I have." Mm-hmm. But what he didn't realize is, you know, protecting what he had involved him giving himself, you know, giving up his life. Yeah, and, and then just Pepper, Pepper coming in at that last second and just, oh yeah, you know, oh yeah, you can rest. Yes. Oh. oh. 
I, I, there was so many moments in this movie where I'm like, I'm going to be a blubbering freaking mess. Yep. And, and that was another one that just was a gut shot. Just like her acknowledgement of yep. this has all been on your shoulders. This is what has like, been driving him for all of yeah. these movies. And now it is finally over. Yeah. And, and it, oh, it was, it was perfect. And then, and, you know, we, one of our early shows, we, we talked about this, I, I think when we were talking about best and worst fans or, or something like that, you know, I, I talked about with this movie, like that whole pan up the dock at his funeral was, oh. was literally my kids, like preteen teenage years of, of us as a family going to see each and every one of those characters movies. And, and, uh-huh. and that's what, that's what pulled at, at me more than anything. It, it, and they were all there. That was not green screen. No, they, they were, were all, all there. there. Oh, man. Ant-Man, Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy. These are all movies I went with my kids and my wife to see. And as much as there was that emotional part of the story, that was really the thing that got me the most was to see like that was that was an, an encompassing scene of of all of this family time that we've kind of spent sharing these movies together, which speaks to what Kevin Smith was talking about, you know, like, like that, mm-hmm. that, that emotional engagement, that bond you have with those experiences, uh, you know, as you go and see these movies with your family and so forth. Yeah. So, so to me, like, you know, I just feel it was just so well done. Um, especially given all the moving parts that, that, that could have made this so complicated and, and made it yeah. very, oh, very much a heavy story to tell. They, they did it so much justice and it was a great story of, a group of heroes who who took a huge loss and and kind of came back and and righted the ship and you know of course time travel had to get worked into it so <laughs> yeah well and the funny and the great part is that they managed to take world uh, you know Earth's mightiest superheroes and make them the underdog yes yeah yeah and legitimately do it by making Thanos that much of a badass yes yeah. Yeah. I thought that was wonderful and and to me like the ultimate I I and I I'm there's part of me that that is mad at the Russos a little bit for this, <laughs> oh boy. but the other part of me that is like you, you just wonderful bastards, you. Mm-hmm. Just because again, all of the moments, all of the all of the feels, and all of that stuff, and by the time that you got to that the pan up the dock and you see all the heroes there, and I was like, I'm done. I'm a husk. I'm I'm just I'm toast. I got nothing. I got nothing. You couldn't wring another emotion out of me. And then you have happy Tony's daughter. Oh, yes. And the cheeseburger thing. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, you sons of bitches, you got me. (laughs) Like, I relaxed. I thought it was all over. And then you hit me with this. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to start crying right now, dude. I know. I know. It's ridiculous. I know. But so, I mean, again, we've we've talked about the high and low cinema thing. Yeah. To me, this is one that it's it's knocking on the door. I'm tempted to let it in. Yeah. This movie is a remarkable achievement in terms of cinema. Whether or not you talk about the superhero aspect of it, costumes and comic books and whatever, they achieved Mm -hmm. so much in this movie. It was amazing. And and they did it like they they couldn't have done it on its own though it it, it doesn't stand alone on its own and no and, no and works yeah. the way that it does unless it has all the other material that preceded it yes and and yes. the way it takes the aftermath of those things and weaves them together and and that's the part that 
the Russos with Civil War, with Infinity War, and with Endgame just did so so elegantly. You know, there's there's that yeah. word again, but but I th- I think it's appropriate because there there is an elegance to telling an effective story when you have that many balls in the air. You know what I yeah. mean? Like there's so much going on, and these movies could have become so heavy and so just lost in themselves with everything and all the characters. And yet they yeah. told a very linear and very straightforward story, weaving all of it together somehow. Uh, was just, I mean, they're just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant brothers. Yeah. I mean, I, so uh, I just want to check the runtime on this one real quick because I can't, I just closed out of the window and I shouldn't have. For what, Endgame? So, yes. I think it was two and a half, wasn't it? I almost want to say it was longer than that. Ah, crud, it didn't. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Here it is. It's right up the top. Three hours and one minute. Ladies and gentlemen. Sweet Moses. Normally to me, like, you get into two-hour territory with a movie, it better be good. Like, damn good. I have never been to a better-paced movie than this because you have three hours worth of story to tell. And it, it, there was never a moment where I'm like, all right, you know, this is obviously that I can wander to the bathroom and miss something. Yeah. Like, I looked up before I went to this movie, like, where's the best time to take a pee break? <laughs> <laughs> Knowing I was going to go back and see it again. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, I, I want to I, I make sure I don't miss something huge. And, and it was like, you know, there was not an obvious place. They're like, just make sure you don't, you don't leave for the last hour. I'm like, holy crap, are you kidding me? Yeah. All right, that's pressure. So I had like my, I had, I'm looking at my my phone, like, all right, two hours have been by. I better go pee now. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was crazy, but uh, just such great pacing for a three hour movie to not have those moments where you're like, oh yeah. my gosh, is anything going to happen? Yeah. I mean, people have listened to our podcast that have gone three hours, and I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that most of them are gonna. Like, that was so well paced. I never had a dull moment. <laughs> I never thought about fast forward. Never. 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 Right, Heather? You never thought about fast-forwarding? You never listened to the first 10 minutes and the last minutes of the episode, did you? I didn't think yes, so. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, man. I didn't know we had a guest calling uh, you. All right. Anyway. So, excellent choice for, for your number two Thank best you. of movie. And you, sir. Well, so my number two, uh, again, another kind of groundbreaker is uh, Logan. Good pick. Oh, man. Again, another movie that I argue a lot of these movies knock on the door and maybe should not be given admission. This one ought to be given admission. I I thought this movie really should have been up for Best Picture. Actually, was it up for Best Picture? If it was, I feel it should have won Best Picture. Just as far as a comic book movie, it's it's beyond what most comic book movies are. As a movie... It is a great movie. It is a great flick. And I am a sucker for the one last ride, sort of the aging hero. Let's go one more time. And, man, just knowing that, like, this is Patrick Stewart's last turn. This is Hugh Jackman's last turn. Mm -hmm. Man, it just lent that so much, you know, kind of gravitas to to the whole overall just movie itself and it was such a great story yeah and of course it's it's taken from the comics the old man logan comics but again it's it's tweaked of course uh but man just the the introduction of the kid and and the interplay between the three of them and kind of the aspects of it that's a road movie and 
Oh man, God. Well, and, and, and just and, gut wrenching too at times. Just absolutely gut wrenching. And just to see the know? vulnerability, you know. Yes. Of, you know wh- whether it was, you know Xavier or whether it was Wolverine himself. You know the fact mm-hmm. that it's not this straightforward. You know, invincible hero taking on the insurmountable odds sort of thing. Like it's it's just it's very grounded in reality. You know the fact that the the blades going in and out are causing him pain. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like like that that well, and that it, was never. I mean, it was a thing, but it was never a thing you focused on. You know, and and yeah. here he's just he's broken down. You know, and well, and you look at like the two of the most number one iconic kind of X Men. You know, Professor X and 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 Wolverine, but also two of like kind of the more badass like and and of course Pref- Professor X was always known as one of the more powerful mutants ever. But to kind of be stripped of those powers because he can't control them, like what right. what happens when you have a, a like the most powerful mutant on the planet can't control himself? Yeah, that's frightening. Yep. And then and then you know like you said with Logan, he he can't heal as much as he as he used to, and right. and even at, at all by the end of the movie, really. Oh man, yeah, just seeing those 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 two characters brought to that point. Yeah. It, it, it just brings like old age and, and mortality into the equation for a, a superhero movie. I mean, and the fact is, this is Hugh Jackman's ninth turn playing Wolverine. Yeah, this is a character that he is he knows and knows well. And the fact that they fought to make it an R-rated Wolverine movie, so we finally actually get like Wolverine in all of his gory glory. Yes, like that opening scene. Oh my good lord! Like just the freaking claws going like right through the dude's head yep. and all that's like this is who Wolverine is like all of the all of the other X-Men movies oh that's nice and like he's he's like you know it's just you see these three like adamantium claws just sweeping through people and it, there's no blood yeah there's no there's no this there's no that and they just kind of fall and it's like okay I get it it's a PG PG-13 movie in this one, you actually see like what would happen if a dude had freaking foot long claws that came <laughs> out of his fist, and he's pissed off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is what's going to happen. Like somebody's going to get one through the noggin. Mm-hmm. Another person's going to get a leg taken off. Oh my gosh! It's it is exactly what you're what you've always wanted to see in a Wolverine movie, and then you you kind of see that, but then all of a sudden it goes to this other place. Where you're like, oh, yeah. The uh man oh oh wow oh this is rough yep this is rough watching your hero at this point in his story yep you know yeah yeah oh just a, a fantastic movie overall and just uh, you know in terms of like uh, being a modern western you know is that gunslinger just going out for one last fight yep. and then even the self sacrifice of Wolverine at the end knowing like that he has to he has to basically push himself to a point where there's no recovery from it. Yeah. He is he is acknowledging I am I am doing this and I'm doing this for the kid. Yep. And and the and just the kid you know reciting those those lines from Shane at the end over his grave. I'm like <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, I'm going to just I'm I am going to start weeping. I, Honestly, I, I I wasn't planning on it in the theater, but hey, great. You know, I feel like oh, it's it's. I feel like it's like Jerry Maguire when he when when he goes on that like that sport the the Sports Center show or the ESPN show and the guy's trying to make the the athlete cry. <laughs> I feel like that's what we're doing with you. Yeah, <laughs> I actually I've never watched Jerry Maguire all the way through. Really? 
I, I don't know why. It's, it's, I don't have a great explanation. That's a good flick. It's, not that I, it's a good flick. It's not, not that I've hated what I've seen of it. I just never made a point to actually watch the entire thing. Yeah, I forget the uh, the interviewer because he, he actually worked for ESPN. But, but when he whenever he was on in the movie, he was always trying to make the athletes who he was interviewing like cry, like bring up all this like bad stuff from their past. And, mm-hmm. and like Cuba Gooding Jr. gets in there and he's like, I know what you're trying to do. You're not going to do it. <laughs> And yeah. then he makes them cry anyways. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> but I feel yeah, like that's that what we're doing of, with you. We're trying to get you to, 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 to break while we record. It is. You, uh, you, then you're getting very, very close. We might – I don't know. I don't know if the next one's a tearjerker, but you might. Well, in, in one last – so with Logan, am I not uh, crazy in thinking that the Johnny Cash version of Hurt was in the trailer? Yes. Uh, uh, quite honestly, one of the greatest – movie trailers ever. Oh, oh, fantastic. I was hooked from the because moment I saw it. It just let you know exactly what this movie was. I saw that and I was like, I was already going to see this movie. Uh-huh. But now I might actually just go up and I, I need five tickets for Logan. There's only one of you. I know, but I believe in it just that much <laughs> that I... Be- <laughs> I'm willing to pay fifty dollars oh, to see man. this movie. That's I feel like you're shortchanging that's, Mr. Hugh Jackman, and funny. I I I refuse to to have that happen. And Sir Patrick needs some more. You know, he he probably needs another first edition of a Shakespeare book somehow. Yes, yes. But yeah, oh, overall, just a great movie, and and just again another you know great character development. I mean, you already kind of know who Logan and and you know Xavier are at that point. Yeah. But uh, but Laura, you know Daphne Keene, who's the you know the kid, was just did such a great job in terms of acting with very little lines. Yeah. I mean, not really anything at all. And uh, and then of course you have um, uh, what's his face? Oh my gosh, I can't I can't remember the exact characters, but the the guy who was hunting them, and uh, and. You know the 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 doctor, doctor uh, doctor Rice uh, was was great, and dude Eric Lasalle coming coming out of retirement, or maybe he's been doing stuff lately. I don't know. Was but he all in of a sudden, When Eric Lasalle popped up, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, dude, like ER Soul Glow. Hey, oh, wow. you know, and I, I imagine at this point he must be like, yeah, yeah, I was in Coming to America like way back in the day. Just get over it. No, he's he's been working pretty consistently. So, uh, well, he was he was in Logan in 2017. Yeah, uh, a couple TV shows in 2016, 15. But yeah. Uh, anyways, I didn't mean to get off on an Eric LaSalle tribute, but it was it was one of those things when I saw him. Like, wow, I haven't seen Eric LaSalle in quite a while. That's it's nice. That's cool. He's still working, <laughs> but just great like the main characters were all kind of given their yeah. own space and then even like the, the the mutant kids at the end were were kind of given a little bit of a little you know a few little moments here and there which was nice uh, but I, I overall just a great 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 way to send uh hugh jackman's wolverine off into the sunset and because agreed. we know this we know this character is coming back agreed they you're never. You're not going to have X Men or any of these. Other, they're not going to never have Wolverine in the MCU. As long as there's money know. to be made, yeah. It's just. It's good to see they. They finally, and even in the last movie, kind of gave you like, okay, here's all of Wolverine. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. That was that was fantastic to see. Nice. 
All right, so now we come to uh, to your number one, and it's actually is my number one as well. So we might as well just talk about it all together. Kill two birds with one stone, baby. However, I will give you the the uh, the honor, sir. What is the number one comic book movie according to Free Range? Do you see? We we've tallied the votes, and it is unequivocally <laughs> <laughs> and tallied. And by tallied, it's one and two. <laughs> You're acting like I was the one doing the math on this. It took him a half hour. There's only two votes, but we, we had to get the to get accounting firm of you know. Uh, we gave him a couple of crayons. Dewey, Cheatham, and how? And uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice pull on the Stooges. Corner hey, you like know, uh, it, it, it is unequivocally. Uh, I am Iron Man. Yes. Which, oh my gosh, just that end scene in Iron Man. Oh, it's fantastic. All you got to do is read the card, Tony. All you got to do is read the card, and you just can't help yourself. I I, I am by trade a software developer, and I watched, when this movie first came out, I think I watched it a bunch of times just for the tech alone. It was just so cool to just kind of see those scenes where he's building up the, you know, the the armor and... Mm. Uh, and just all the you know work he's doing in kind of his lab and stuff like that. I mean, the, the, this was I mean, as an adult, it, it's you're, you're doing something right when you can capture the imagination of an adult. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like enthralled with that movie, and I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Um, because they they did they got into kind of you know not not to the extent of. Um, of going too far with it, but but they got into to, to the tech a little bit. It, it was it was a very techy kind of movie. Um, it, it, well, you legit believe that that Tony Stark was just that damn smart. Yes, yes. They they did it in such a way that they showed it in a really prominent, but yet concise way. Mm-hmm. Because even though it was a techy movie, they did it in in bite sized chunks. Yes, yeah. And and in believable and in and in and and elegant ways that didn't make you go, yeah yeah yeah. It made you go, wow, this dude's really freaking smart. But that also comes down to the performance of Robert Downey Jr. Oh yeah, he he. I mean, this is this is the movie that starts it all. That this is where yes. this is where this whole Infinity arc kind of starts from. And 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 for him, you, you know, just the the way he plays that role. Um, I really enjoy the, the 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 period of time in the movie when he's in the cave with Yinsen and oh and, man, and just yes. the way Yinsen gives of himself to get Tony out and, and just that that final. And were you were you happy when when Iron Man three came around and we got to see Yinsen again? Yes, I thought that was really cool that they brought him back and and Tony completely blew him off. <laughs> <laughs> but even even like a heartbeat, I was like, oh wait, that ties back to yes, yes, yeah, oh, yes. it was great. Oh yeah, but but that line he says to him about. You know, just just you know, don't don't waste your life. You know, and and yes. and how that that kind of resonates with Tony throughout all of the movies. You know, in terms of what he does and 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 you know what kind of drives him, um, all all goes back to that sacrifice. And yeah, uh, and it was just it was so well done. It was it was a great um, great way to introduce the Tony Stark character. It was a great way to kind of you know similar to I mean we it wasn't on either of our lists, but similar to like Batman Begins, where you kind of see how Bruce Wayne, you know, you know, pr- mm. you know, kind of practically puts together Batman out of all of these like tools and things at his disposal. It was neat. Yeah. To, it, oh, neat. There it is. Um, hey, hey uh, it, I'm not the only one. Uh, no, you're not. Um, it, it, it was, 
it was interesting to see him yeah, uh, build up his go. armor and and to to kind of build up you know just just the whole interface and and the way that he would uh, you know kind of kind of use the armor and get used to flying it and then of course there there's always that great scene where he goes to Gilmera and and just beats the heck out of the out of the the you know the ten rings that are there uh, you know yep. takes out all the terrorists and you know there's that one shot where, where the tank uh, takes him out he gets up it takes a shot at him he, he ducks or, or you know kind of leans back and then fires like a little dinky missile out and blows up the whole tank I mean it was just yep. fantastic that was just that you know that to me is like off the comic book page right there you know what I mean um, oh totally yeah oh, just just so so good and 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 just yeah you, you know it, it just it, it is it is the genesis of what becomes the marvel you know the the mcu and and it was mm-hmm. just so well done and you know robert downey jr you know he just carries that movie um you know a lot of a lot of that movie is him just in the lab you know working on the on on the on the armor and that sort of thing and he he's just such a very engaging character the way that he plays mm-hmm. him so this is just a classic. I've watched this movie probably well over ten times. It's it's one of my favorites, and it's just always a go to movie when I just want to watch something fun. And and it's just I, Iron Man is is just the best. Yeah, it's again, it's another movie that manages to be well paced. There's 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 literally no point in this movie where I want to fast forward. I don't want no. to jump to the next scene because now when we're watching movies especially with DVD where you can just jump to the next scene but uh, but even on streaming where you can you can fast forward you can do you know whatever and it's much faster than back in the day when you had a VHS tape and you're like right that right. sort of thing like you can hop around a lot easier now there is no point in this movie where I want to hop around I just want to watch it beginning to end that's yes. it yes i think the direction of it the the look of it it really defined how all other Marvel movies would be made. And even though like Thor had its own kind of kind of thing, and, and of course Captain America, uh, especially the first Avenger, had, his, had a very unique uh, visual feel, they all yeah. borrowed from Iron Man. Oh, yeah. And of course, I mean, yeah. it's not like Jon Favreau invented a ton of this stuff out of thin air, but it, it just had a very distinct feel. And, and it was just... It was so well put together, so well just acted. I mean, good Lord, Robert Downey Jr. For Can we just say, um, who would you cast? And this, and this might be a fun thing for us to do in the future, recasting a movie and trying to find who else could play these characters. Mm. But I'm, I, I ask you, who else could play Tony Stark? And, and have it turn out knowing what we have now. Mm-hmm. If you could do the, if you could go time heist and go back, knowing what you know now, who else would you cast as Tony Stark? I'd have to think about that one. That, that's a tough one. I got nobody, and I've thought about it. Okay. I, I can't think of a damn person I would cast. I mean, I would literally have to go and, and say, you know what? It's not Tony Stark. It's Tanya Stark. Yeah. And we're going to go in a completely different direction because I can't think of anyone else yep. who could pull that off. Yeah. Same as right now. I couldn't tell you, like, like Nick Fury, that's Sam Jackson. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny part is, so and again, like you get you get the beginning of the MCU, you get you get one of the most iconic, not even not even iconic, uh, comic book movie uh, characters, iconic movie characters. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, Tony Stark is right up there with like Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah. Uh, you know, any 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 particular character who's been played by one actor across multiple movies. Yeah. You also got introduced to uh, to Nick Fury at the end. And the fact was, they had actually, when they did a, re, uh, a, a redo on Nick Fury in the comics, they drew him as Sam Jackson. Really? Bef- way before this. Oh, interesting. And, and apparently there was, there was talk of a lawsuit, and the, that didn't end up happening because Sam Jackson was like, all right, fine, you can, you can keep Nick Fury looking like me, but if he's ever in a movie, I want to play him. Yeah. And that's how we got, and I'm, I'm fully in favor of that because... Who else is going to be Nick Fury? I can't think of another damn person. No. I want to be Nick Fury. No, you know, certainly not David Hasselhoff as it was in uh, uh, back in the '90s in TV land. I think. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, and then Jeff Bridges. You get introduced to, to Pepper Potts with Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, come on. Even I mean, you even go down like the list here. So I mean, even Agent Coulson. You you in the limited time that you get with him, you kind of start to understand who that character is. Yeah. Like he's given his own space and his own time. Uh, even Christine Everhart, who plays like the the, uh, the the reporter at the beginning and then then at the end, and, and she has that little bit in the middle where she she kind of introduces Tony back to like, hey, did you hear what happened in Golmira? And he's like, uh, wow, that sounds oddly familiar. Yeah, it's almost like I've been there. Yeah. Oh wait, I was. And uh, but even even she is is a fully formed character. There's not really too many one dimensional characters. No, no, there's not in that flick. No. Man, it was just so good. And again, uh, it, it was the right this, timing. X-Men. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. No, I was going to say X-Men was like the Cadillac of, uh, of of origin movies. Well, someone brought in a Lambo, and that's what Iron Man is. It was just, <laughs> this sucker is handcrafted and hand-built on a factory floor. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can tell you the name of the dude who tightened the lug nuts on the wheels. Yeah. That's, that's what this is. And... I have not seen an origin story or a comic book movie really that compares this because you can never get better than the original. You can never get better no, than the original, and that's no. the tough part. And 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 we've we've talked a lot about you know Robert Downey Jr., but don't forget this was kind of a movie. I don't know if it was the first movie, but it was a movie not too long after he had a number of you know issues you know personally. Oh yeah, yeah. And this was this was really kind of the 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 rebirth of Robert Downey Jr. as a. Hollywood yeah, player and, and, kind, of and kind of bringing that redemption, you know, aspect of not only him as a person, but into this character as well. Oh, you yeah. know, as kind of this freewheeling playboy who becomes reformed. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't know how much of that really played to it, but but I think there's an element to it where it just it was almost like real life, you know, art imitating life sort of thing. You know, where um, yeah. you you could see a lot of him in Tony Stark, and to be honest. You know, I, I wouldn't really know where Robert Downey Jr. ends and Tony Stark begins because it seems like one of the reasons he plays it so well is because it seems like it's tied into his personality very well. You know, I mean, so, well, similar to wrestling, you know, yeah. where you have some mm-hmm. some of the best wrestlers like, you know, The Rock, for example, is, you know, that's Dwayne Johnson just dialed up to like, you know, 12, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, that's and, exactly where I was going to head yeah, with. It. I'm and, glad and you same did. With, same with, you know, Downey Jr. with Tony Stark. It, it may be him just dialed up to 12, you know. Yeah, I, and and the the idea that you can have something like this, that you can then start and use as a foundation for all of these other movies. Yeah, yeah. And and I think John Favreau did such a fantastic job as a director mm-hmm. on this flick, and just being able to to make a really fun movie, but also a really solid movie. Yeah, yeah. 
there, there, I don't find a whole lot of weak points in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I've and I've watched it looking for them, and I really I can't find any. Yeah, yeah. It's damn perfect as a comic book movie. It is. It is. It's one of my favorites. One of my favorites. And that's that's all I got to say about Thank that. Thank you, Forrest. So now we've we've talked about the sunny side of the street. Uh. Let's 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 shuffle on over. And better yet, let's let's duck into a bar, have. <laughs> <laughs> 10 or 12 drinks and let's crawl over to oh, the not so man. sunny side of the street oh. and and let's talk about the worst oh. of comic book movies that idea is just the worst so here we have the dregs here we have the island of misfit toys mm-hmm. if we if you will mm-hmm. and so now now you being a much more positive and probably much more intelligent person not going to movies that that are reviewed poorly. Oh. You only have two. Uh, I was able to fill out five because I'm just <laughs> that of angry of a person, apparently. So I don't know how do you how do you want to work this? Do you just want to talk about yours and then we can talk about mine? Um, you know, honestly, because I think yours, your two would probably go together. We can talk about well. both of mine kind of in one shot because I think the overriding problem with both of them, which is Batman Returns, the sequel to uh, the 1989 Batman. And then mm-hmm. Batman Forever, uh, which is the one that includes Jim Carrey as the Riddler and Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face, was mm-hmm. just the kind of over-the-top nature that these movies kind of delved into, you know, after the original. You know, that, that I think yeah. they just went so far off the reservation in terms of, you know, the good storytelling. Um, I, I couldn't, with Batman Returns, I could not get locked into the Penguin as, you know, it, it, it was almost like too, going too far down the path of trying to, to tell the comic book story from the page, you know, to screen. You know, it, it was just, mm-hmm. I didn't care about the Penguin. He was a lousy villain and it was really hard for me to get invested. And then you had the Catwoman as well. And it was just like kind of all over the place, you know, and, and it just didn't feel like a very good story to me. Um, I, I just mm. remember like that, that's a movie I think I've watched once and have really never gone back to watch again. Cause it, it really didn't do anything for me. Mm. Um, with Batman forever, you, you kind of had the same thing. I mean, Jim Carrey, you know, really funny, but just way over the top and same with Tommy Lee Jones. It's like, they just went way, way, way crazy in terms of yeah. being the cartoon villains and, and, and just, you know, at that point, Batman was becoming this kind of, you know, almost like a, a, a seasonal sort of, you know, summertime movie that would always do like crazy business. And they were just plugging, you know, different stars in at that point to just kind of play the roles. And there wasn't a lot of continuity to it. I, I don't really remember there being an overarching kind of, you know, story to any to, to the four movies. I mean, it, they were all kind of like standalones. Um, and I just, I, I don't know, it just didn't really resonate with me. And, and, you know, like I said in the beginning, I think the thing that, that, that we tend to gravitate towards are the movies that have depth of story and depth of character. And, and I think in both of these Batman movies, they were lacking greatly. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I watched these because, you know, there was the promise in Batman Returns of it being a good sequel. It wasn't there. Um, and then, you know, I, I admittedly, like you said, I was kind of caught in the whole Batman fever thing. So whenever a new Batman movie would come out, I would go see it because I mean, okay, this, this should be good. And then you kind of came away like, 
eh, you know, it, it just, you know, yeah. looking back on it, you're just kind of like, oh my gosh, you, you put that up next to like a Christian Bale, Christopher Nolan Batman movie. It's like, go away. I mean, you, it's just, it's, yeah. it's like night and day. It's, it's just incredible. So, so those two for me were, were the worst. And, and I only have two because as, as we talked about at the beginning, or as I think you've mentioned, I, I, for one, for one reason or another, just didn't invest the time in watching some of the other ones, uh, when, especially when there was a bad review. Um, so I, I just uh, I don't really have a lot in the holster for the worst. So, Well, you're just much smarter than I am. That's what it comes well, down to. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> Far be it for I, me to argue. I, I, that's all that it comes down to. I'm just much more foolish oh, when it comes to these things. However, I do have a full holster. Uh, holster? <laughs> holster? Host. Have another sip. Sawyer Hoyer? Oh, oh there it is. Yeah. yeah. Brian, we haven't forgotten about you. Don't. <laughs> I forgot about that part of it, though. Oh, boy. So um, I'm going to run through these fairly quick. First one I'm going to – I'm actually going to go a little out of order of how I have them on the outline. But first one out of these, this one has a couple different titles. Uh, so there's X3, and then there's uh, X-Men uh, – what the heck is it called? The Last Stand, mm. which was actually the second choice for the the, the title. Mm-hmm. The, the first choice for the title was X-Men – this is the worst X-Men movie you're ever going to freaking see until we make a movie approximately 13 to 10 years later called Apocalypse. Oh, gosh. However, they decided it was a little too wordy, so they just went with The Last Stand. So, it, oh, good Lord. The most remarkable thing about this is that they, they, they Magneto hoists up the Golden Gate Bridge and, and you know, links San Francisco to Alcatraz mm-hmm, and, you mm-hmm. know. Just utterly kind of craptastic movie. It's not very good. It was, you know, just meh. Would you say by just that meh. would would like would you say by that point X like with X three was kind of the whole Magneto Xavier thing kind of played out at that point? No, it didn't have to be. That's the thing. Yeah. It, 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 there was still ground to churn there. However, at that point, you changed directors. I think you changed. Uh, you'd also changed uh, some some of the writers and things like that. And then eventually, you just get to a point where it's like, eh, we just need a movie. Yeah. And that and that's all. And you tried to do the. They tried to do the Dark Phoenix sort of story, which the funny part of that is. So the uh, one of the writers, I want to say, was it Kinberg or was it Zach Penn? No, it was Zach Penn. I was right the first time. Oh no! Oh my gosh! Was Simon Kinberg? He was involved in that movie. Oh my gosh! Okay, that's that's more material for me later. All right, so Simon Kinberg, who was one of the writers on X Men: Last Stand, he then wound up directing uh, X Men: Dark Phoenix. Which, if you have tried to watch that movie, mm-hmm. don't. It's it's. Uh, I, I would include it here, but I didn't make it all the way through. I made it through the, like the first. 15 minutes okay maybe and horrific just horrific not worth watching okay so yeah don't don't inflict that on yourself is my advice it's just it's not good it's not good yeah. it's not good let's just put it that way it was a, it was a poor telling of the dark phoenix saga in the comic books which was a, a very epic storyline which they treated like crap here wasn't that the one where they had like the bullets that made them like non-mutant or something like that Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Yes. Again, just more stuff to just like, 
it just not even insult my intelligence. Uh, like take a poop on my intelligence is the the most family friendly way that I can just take a like a lift a leg and pee on my intelligence yeah. is really what it was. Yeah. So bad movie, bad movie. Uh, next one up for me, Aquaman. Now this one made approximately a billion dollars, but hey, let's face it, I think a lot of that had to do with muscles. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of folks who went to see that for for Jason Momoa, and you know what? God bless him for it. If I mean, because in some ways it's not a horrific film, yeah. it's not the worst comic book movie. It just wasn't very good, yeah. and it wasn't very good because again, DC and Warner Brothers can't. If a good script and a good director and everything fell into their laps, they wouldn't know what to do with it. It's almost like someone has just said, gentlemen, I swear we will never draw money as long as I'm in charge of this company. (laughs) And that was the board meeting when they decided to get into comic book movies. I don't know what it is, but they just can't do anything right. And it's not that I think Jason Momoa isn't good as Aquaman. It's just the overall packaging of it is just something about it just doesn't sit right. And it always feels like it's undercooked. It's and it's not like undercooked like a like a chocolate chip cookie that's undercooked and it's gooey. Mm-hmm. It's undercooked as in like, hey, my chicken is pink on the inside, <laughs> and I'm then going to spend the next three days like puking and crapping uh, my brains. Nothing out. like botulism. To- <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not. It's not like a gooey cookie. It's botulism. Oh my god. It's- it's salmonella, essentially, oh, in gosh. cinematic form. Yeah. You know what? Where were you when they were writing the, the the blurbs for this for the poster? That would have been great on the poster. Aquaman, it's cinematic salmonella. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll frame it. Botulistic blockbuster. Oh, my gosh. You know? But yeah, just not not good. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. And I'll and and trust me. I'll get to some more DC. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's get to some more DC right okay. now. Superman v. Batman. Okay. Good sweet mama. Was this a? <laughs> was this just a a turd of a movie? Can, can can I just say my first turnoff is the title? Like, oh, don't yeah. ever do a movie title where it's like this v. This. It's like if I want that, I'll watch professional wrestling. <laughs> You know what I mean? I, I don't need well, to see it in my movie title. I mean, there's so much wrong with this movie because oh. this was this was this was the movie where they're like, we're gonna do our own cinematic universe, but we're gonna do it in one movie where Marvel took ten, and it's like, hey, guess what? There's a reason that they took ten. It's because it takes time, mm. and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. So they came off of Man of Steel, so you got sa- the same Superman. So you got one movie worth of consistency there. Yeah. For whatever reason. And I've never looked this up because, quite honestly, I just I I don't care. Yeah. I've never looked up why they never tried to draw on the the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Some men just want to watch the world burn. But it yeah. never made any sense to me that you had three movies that made all the money and were pretty well acclaimed by critics and fans, yeah. and you just like, nah, we're gonna have Affleck play him. And and you know what? I think Ben Affleck is a perfectly good Batman. Mm-hmm. I thought he was actually pretty good, but the problem was you you like microwaved it. You tried to accelerate it so quickly, yeah, and just like get us to care about him. Like I don't care about him because I've only known him for approximately thirty seconds. And then the whole thing with Alfred, where all of a sudden we go from like Michael K- Michael Kine Alfred to Tactical Never. Alfred. Well, because he thought it was good sport. Who is like apparently like 
like addressing and like I I don't know what I don't know what they're doing with Alfred in this movie. Like it just it didn't sit right. Like Alfred has always yeah. been the butler, but now all of a sudden he's like a mechanic, tactical planner, yeah. you know, arms runner. I'm like I I, I don't like it. Yeah. More than anything, the the first thing that pissed me off about this movie was the trailer. So you got a two minute trailer and they gave away the entire friggin' movie yeah. in the trailer. Yeah. I'm like, there's no need for me to see the movie. I've seen it. And there, there's a reason I didn't see it in the theaters and I saw it on like Redbox is because I, I'm like, I'm not paying for it. Yeah. I'll pay a buck later on to see it. I won't even rent the Blu-ray. I'm going to rent DVD and see it in poorer resolution just because I don't want to give you any more money than I have to possibly give you. Yeah. This movie should have been at least one standalone movie for Batman. If you're not drawing off of the Nolan Batman movies, it should have been a Batman movie and then something in between before you finally get to the confrontation. There should have been at least two, maybe three movies prior to this. And they didn't because, again, we're just going to try and we're going to have like a microwave dinner with this thing. And that's a good analogy. It shows. It shows. That's a good analogy. And that is the primary problem I have with any sort of DC movie is um, minus I, I have to with with I'll have to retract that a bit from Wonder Woman because I've heard Wonder Woman's pretty good. Oh, Wonder Woman's fantastic, but but, but the thing is, actually, it, 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 in reading some of the background on that, they Warner Brothers wanted to cut out some of the major parts of the movie. Yeah. That made the movie, and it's like I now kind of understand why all of your movies suck because you're morons. You can't fix stupid. What 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 they really should have done was waited until, uh, not waited, but just don't try to do what they're doing here with like Superman v Batman until after Marvel's done doing like the Infinity arc. Well, and, no, they could have done it. Take your time. They could have done it. Yeah, they, they they could have. But but I'm saying it this way because like like the microwave analogy is a good one. I think they were trying to rush to build off of a trend that was going on during this this you know the the 2010s. They well, they, yeah. they they were trying to get in yeah. on this superhero fanaticism that was going on, and by doing it the way they did it, they sacrificed like exactly what you said. They sacrificed the storytelling. Make Superman compelling. Make Batman compelling. I think what really worked against them the most is the Nolan series. I think Batman needed a 10-year break before they got into it again. And that's why I'm saying wait until after the Infinity War arc and start up with another you know, kind of version of Batman once everyone's memories have kind of faded a bit with the Nolan version. Well, the thing is you didn't even need to do that. Like no one actually gave you a way out of that. Even if you don't back up the the dump uh, the dump truck full of cash to Gordon uh, Gordon Levitt, uh, yeah, yeah, Gordon Levitt, you don't back up the dump truck to his house and say you're the new Batman. Even if you want to have Ben Affleck or whatever, the way that they had, uh, you know, uh, Christian Bale, you know, see Alfred at the at the cafe at the end, and then you know Gordon Levitt, you know, does his yeah. spelunking into the Batcave and all that. Yeah. That gives you a clean way of moving on from that Batman. And, and you don't true. necessarily yeah. even need to... I mean, you could have taken it from there, but no, we got to have Batman, we got to have Alfred. Like, you could have gone in a different direction and had it still draw on that background. True, but, but, but ha- that, that was a turnoff for me. I, I mean, honestly, like anything with DC over the course of the 2010s, I did not really want to watch it because I'm like, you know what? I like the Nolan series too much, and it, and it ended on a, on a proper and clean note. 
I don't want to mm-hmm. see another version of Batman right now. Like, give me more time. You know, don't. Yeah. Be, you guys want to slam Batman down my throat? Great. You're not getting my money. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, and here's that, a- that, that was really my attitude with this, especially when this movie came out. It's nothing with Ben Affleck playing Batman. It's just I've seen this character done in such an artistically satisfying way. Mm. You and, and I think you have a good idea that yeah, why wouldn't they work? You know, try to get Gordon Gordon Levitt to to jump in on or Joseph Gordon Levitt to jump in on this. You know, like at least try to do some continuity. You know, yeah. But they don't even try. You know, and, and no, then they just try no, to do didn't. what you said, which is they microwave it. They they just try to fast track everything. Yeah. So they tried to get you a new Batman, right. and then they try and get you to buy in on him. Yeah. Yeah. And then they try and get this whole like Batman versus Superman thing. And then, of course, they have also have to do the death of Superman in there as well with Doomsday. And then, oh, hey, let's just throw in Wonder Woman, too, because why not? Because we, we have to speed this whole thing up. We can't take our time at all because we're the, the whole thing was they were trying to play catch up and they were trying to get to their Avengers movie. And it's like there's no shortcuts. This is where DC fails because they just disregard character and go for spectacle. You know, I mean, Marvel managed to build. Think about this. Think about this. Marvel managed to build an entire cinematic universe. And yes, they were building towards the Avengers. Marvel sold off their 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 like big money characters. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why Spider-Man took forever to get into the MCU. There's a reason why, you know, Fantastic Four haven't been in the MCU up until now. Those were the those are the money characters. They sold them off because Marvel needed the cash. Yeah. Without their main like their first family of of you know of superheroes, and without really the most bankable superhero in in Spider Man, they launched the MCU with Iron Man, Thor, Black Widow, yep. Hawkeye, and then Captain America. Yeah. Out of all of those, Captain America is the one kind of like top line superhero. Yeah, yeah. All the rest are kind of not really, you know. I mean, I mean we we gush over Iron Man, but oh, and X Men too. Forget. I mean, X Men were were not part of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we gush over Iron Man as as the best movie, but let's be honest, it, it wasn't a foregone conclusion that it was going to be that. No, not at all. And I think, and, and, and I think here, you said this on one of our old on on one of our older shows when we talked about this is that. You know, Iron Man was kind of a risk for them, you know, to, to, totally. to put out as the first movie. It was just right timing, right director, right actor, right story. And mm-hmm. it just all came together. But there, yeah, I mean, Iron Man, when I first saw that come out, I was just kind of like, I don't even know if I'm interested in this. And then I see it and I'm just blown away. Yeah. And well, and then you think about what DC had. Right. right. They've got Batman, Superman. And Wonder Woman. Those are three of the most iconic comic book characters. Not in just the DC world, yeah. all of comic books. And you can't tell compelling movies, well, Wonder Woman they managed to do, but you can't tell compelling movies with these like iconic characters. And that was the thing, like, oh, well, you know, it's so hard with Superman because he's the goody-goody. Really? Hmm. Let me see. Marvel managed to do it with Captain America, and he's like the most goody-two-shoes mofo around. yeah. yeah. They managed to make him an interesting character. Wow. Or imagine that. You actually invest time and, 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 and effort into working on the character. Right. And right. people like the character. As opposed to like, he's just Superman. And you should love him because he's just Superman. Yeah. yeah. You know what? 
you can kiss my rear end. <laughs> I am not going to love him because he's just Superman. You got to give me something more than that. I'm not going to love him just because he's Batman. Like, you got to give me something more than that. And yeah. they actually did. Yeah. At the beginning of that movie, when they had Batman's angle, was he was angry at Superman for the damage he inflicted on his employees and the people that he knew. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Yeah. And then after that, everything after that, just it went downhill. Right. right. And it was just garbage in my opinion so then moving on from there hey let's let's uh you know let's kick dc when they're down let's go with justice league next because this was another steaming gigantic pile of crap Uh. and another example of like hey we got to get them and 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 again like hey here's a uh, we're gonna bring in the flash yeah now not the flash that everyone likes on tv though yeah let's have a new flash and let's have him be just kind of like eh I mean, we've we've built up at this time. DC had owned like TV, superhero TV. They owned it, and of course, why bring the guy that's been successful and the and the actor and the stories and all that? Nah, screw that. We're going to have this be separate because again, we can't make money. Yeah. Let's not let's not do things that are intelligent. Let's do something that's really stupid, and then we're going to you know, oh my god, and then the effects. Oh, there's some movies that you watch and like the effects still hold up. Yeah. The effects in Justice League didn't even hold up a week after. <laughs> oh gosh, that bad, huh? Like a week later, I was like, like when I watched it on again because I didn't, I didn't go to the theater to see this steaming pony loaf. I I watched this on Redbox <laughs> again on DVD because I ain't paying for the Blu-ray, and I, I like fifty cents more. Nope, because that's fifty cents in DC's coffers, and I will, I mean, yeah. I will not have that happen on my watch. Yep. One dollar is as much as I will do. I will begrudgingly pay the nine cents tax. Um, <laughs> the effects looked like I was like, "Are we sure this is the finished version? Oh, did I not? Geez, did I get enough. an early release?" And of course, you have Aquaman in his full like Aqua Bro mode and and all of that, which could have worked. Yeah. But in the context of the movie, the rest of the movie sucks. So therefore, it just drags that down. Yeah. Oh, man, again, it was just so rushed, so freaking rushed. Again, you have these iconic characters, and you just blow it. You had yeah. every opportunity, and you blow it. You can't fix stupid. My Yeah, I, I didn't see this, but I think, you know, for- You are better for, for it, sir. <laughs> for as much as we gushed about Avengers Endgame, you know, earning all those moments, I, I think, and I'm saying this without even seeing it, I- just on principle, the fact they made the movie and they, there was no origin movie for Flash, there was no origin movie for Cyborg. There mm-hmm. was oh, and Cyborg apparently got really the dude who played Cyborg apparently just went off on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, did he really? <laughs> like, did he really burned his bridge with DC? Well, which is, I mean, fine. Well, they, I mean, they doesn't seem like it's a much Cyborg of a bridge. Movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they they like completely gave that character nothing. In but that nothing movie. was earned. Nothing, no. nothing seemed, er- and, and I, I shouldn't say nothing was earned because I didn't see it, but nothing seemed earned when it came to that. It movie. wasn't. It wasn't. And, and you I'm standing on the it, outside it having not watched it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, just, and, and it goes back to what you said. It goes back to that microwave analogy of they just didn't put the time into building up the stories, the relationships, the, the you know, c- come up with something you know, and, and it's, yeah, it's challenging because, you know, in some ways they're dealing with more godlike heroes with Superman and Wonder Woman and, and whatever Aquaman is. But, you know, at, at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, you got to tell me you can't, you, you don't have creative enough people to come up and try to, come, you know, at least 
come up with a with a structure or a plan to kind of get to the point of having a Justice League movie mean something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just mm-hmm. that just feels like laziness. No, you you are totally right. And, and again, you are better off for having not seen this movie. Ah, oh, thank you. I'm so. interested. I'm interested to see what the Snyder cut of the of Justice League is going to be. I have a feeling it's not going to be that much better. Yeah. I mean, apparently now it's clocking in at close to like four hours. It's it's getting absurd. <laughs> it's gross. It's getting absurd. Oh, well, originally it was supposed to be like two movies. Wow. Or maybe, was it two or three movies? Well, if you're clocking in at four hours, you may as well just drop the scissors on that and cut it in half. You know, Jesus. Well, the the talk is that it might not actually be a movie. It might end up being uh, like a a Watchmen type, like limited series kind of thing oh, because it's it is it's getting it's getting unwieldy but again hbo max is maybe they gave snyder a blank check i don't know what it is but apparently he's like bruce wayne where he never runs out of money in this project so they're just they're just letting him do stuff i'm not i'm curious to see what that will be ultimately it's not going to make much difference because it feels like they've kind of given up on this whole shared universe thing but man justice league as it was released in the movies in the theater uh not good, not good, yeah. not good at yeah. all. And it, and it honestly, it it's when Marvel lost Joss Whedon, mm. and he and he didn't want to do another Avengers movie. Which honestly, if you if you have if you uh, have the DVD of uh, Avengers Ultron and you have not listened to the director's commentary, don't. It's basically Joss Whedon just whining for two hours oh, about how geez. how horrible it was making this movie and this and that and the other. It's like, shut up. Good Lord, you got paid a buttload of money to do yeah. this. And and then you see what ended up with uh, with Justice League and how he finished that movie because of course Jack, uh, Zack Snyder left the movie or was pushed out of the movie depending on which theory you want to believe yeah, yeah. Um, for for family reasons and yeah it, you kind of see this I'll be curious to compare and contrast and see how much of a difference it makes but who knows yeah. I I don't think it's going to improve it that much. Yep. And so sitting at number one, now normally you would think uh, before, before not that long ago, Justice League was my number one worst comic book movie that I had ever seen. However, uh, I, I recently, uh, having signed up for Disney Plus, uh, realized that Fantastic or Fan, Fant Four Stick, Fant whatever. <laughs> fan the, Four Stick. <laughs> The stupidly named Fantastic Four movie reboot from uh, 2015 was on there. And, of, and of course, this uh, was involved Simon Kinberg, who was also involved with X3 because, hey, why not? You know, you'll only fail upwards in Hollywood. Uh, so I, had, I've, I watched this. And I, the funny part of this is, so my, my kid and I, we watched all of the, the Marvel movies leading up to Infinity War and Endgame and Captain Marvel, because that was in there as well. So when we were getting to the point where she was like, all right, she's kind of catching up in age to where she can see these. So we went back, we went back and watched all of the movies before we went to see those movies, because she, she was about the right age for that. So she's seen a whole bunch of superhero movies at this point, and she, she really loves superhero movies. And... I said, hey, there's a superhero movie on Disney Plus. Although I'm pretty sure it could be horrible. <laughs> oh, jeez. 
Because I just, you know what? I believe in honesty in dealing with kids, and I didn't want to mislead her that this is going to be of the same quality of the movies that she's used to. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Dad wasn't lying when he prefaced it that way. Uh, before I said that, you know, I've just I've used words like a uh, pile of crap, uh, steaming pony loaf to describe the previous couple movies. In order to describe this movie, I need to cite another movie. If you remember back with me to the original Jurassic Park movies, mm-hmm. Ian Malcolm, of course, uh, played by the, the, the wonderful Jeff Goldblum, national treasure, world treasure, oh, yes. if you will, quite possibly one of the most odd individuals ever to walk the planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he walks up to the pile of Triceratops poo, that is the visual embodiment of this movie. <laughs> gosh this movie was painful oh boy and and i'd I'd read a little bit about it beforehand and i'd read like oh basically it's first and second act and there's no third act like the movie just sort of ends because it's almost like well this is where you'd end a movie (laughs) oh my gosh you're kidding a movie runs for this long and this is this is where we're going to end it you know and and that was it and i'm like what the hell happened here? And it, it, it's true. That is how the movie ends. And it's it's weird because, again, they decided to set the movie way earlier. Like, all of the, the main characters are kids, or not kids, but they're like teenagers, college student sort of age. And there's a couple of things that are kind of cool where they they take it in more of a way like, okay, after they get their abilities, the government takes and then t- tries to weaponize them as human beings. Or I'm like, okay, that's kind of interesting. But overall, the acting is not good yeah. really at all. And uh, even at some of the moments where you're like, I should be feeling something here, but mostly I'm feeling... Hmm. What is it? What is that? Uh, oh, regret. Mostly That's I'm what feeling I'm feeling. Out, I'm feeling like I'm out three fifty. Yeah. Mostly, I'm feeling regret. I mean, well, the good thing is at least it's on a streaming service. So as long as I watch enough other crap that month, I don't feel like I actually directly paid for this movie. That was the one saving grace. But then, but here's an example of where in Iron Man they would do all those techie sort of things in, in right. an interesting, elegant way. Here, they didn't. They're like, oh, we have a problem. We're going to science our way out of it. And then you just have a bunch of people who are like, if you can hear that, that's me typing on my on my imaginary keyboard. Ah, I hear the clickety-clack. That's their science, is they're going to type on the keyboard and everything happens in a montage of science and 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 science is what and um, they never explain any of what the science is but apparently it's it's a lot of science and i i was like just what the hell is going on hey, like that, that I, version of you saying science is going to haunt me in my sleep tonight jesus <laughs> science oh it's 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 well, be glad that it's me saying that and not this movie, because if that's troubling you, this movie would haunt your nightmares for years oh to come. Oh boy. It's just not good. Yeah. Not good yeah. whatsoever. And <sighs> it's another it was another one of those cases. Like Fantastic Four has had such a weird history of 
you know, back in like the 90s, they made a movie that they never planned to release just so the studio, so Fox could hang on to the rights because the, the rights deal was Marvel sold it. And if you didn't make a movie in this amount of years, yeah. then Marvel gets the rights back. Yeah. And so Fox made a movie that no one was ever supposed to see and is, is horrible that just to keep the rights. Mm. And then they made those two movies uh, later in the 90s. Actually, I think that first one was in the 80s. But anyways, they made the ones in, 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 the, in the 90s, and that one was the one that had Chris Evans as the Human Torch and Michael Chiklis as, uh, uh, right. as the thing. Right. And who was it? Was it Jessica? Jessica Alba. Jessica Alba? Yeah. Yes. And actually, the first one wasn't that bad. Of course, people crap all over those, but I'm like, hey, I've got four or five other, six other movies that I can put ahead of that one. Uh, that are worse and of course it involves another fantastic movie where I don't I think this might have been another case of like that we got to make a movie and of course we want to try and make a movie to start another franchise but we got to make one eventually because otherwise the the rights revert back to Marvel if we don't keep making these movies and man I'm just glad that that uh, Marvel has the rights back to this now because they've because Disney purchased Fox and of course Disney owns uh, owns Marvel at this point. The the really funny part is of course now Disney owning Marvel and owning Fox and also owning Pixar is that Disney now owns the the company that originated the Fantastic Four, the the company that messed up Fantastic Four in Fox, and then Pixar in the in the in the company that inadvertently made the only good Fantastic Four movies. They just happen to be called The Incredibles. Oh yes, those are much more. Those are much better Fantastic Four movies than anybody else has done. Yeah. So it only makes sense that eventually they all come home to roost in the house of Mouse. And I feel dirty just for saying that. I tried saying it, and I, I regret it immediately, almost as much as I regret seeing fan Fant Four Stick, Fantastic. F- just don't. I like see Fan Four Stick. That's pretty funny. Fant Four Stick. Yes. It's oh, it's wretched. It's wretched. Anyways, let's uh, let's try and dive back out of this. And another thing. So what do you got this week, sir? Uh, for me, it's uh, and, and and maybe this will be a limiting sort of an and another thing because unless you're uh, a professional wrestling fan, you may not have access to this. Uh, it may or may not be uh, available on Peacock. Uh, at some point here, but um, ah yes, Peacock, Peacock, Todd's favorite streaming service and name. Um, but on the Ugh. on the WWE Network, uh, I, I highly, highly recommend Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions. Uh, I have mm. started watching, or had started watching these uh, a week or two ago. Started with the Mark Henry episode. I had watched a couple prior. I think uh, I saw the one with Mark Calloway, The Undertaker. Um, what was the other? Oh, Goldberg was another one. And I forget mm. the first one. I, I think The Undertaker was the first one, right? Because you, uh, you and I had yes. both watched an episode and we're both like, oh, this is really good or something. But uh, but when I watched the Mark Henry episode, um, that episode was, was really interesting, uh, getting to know him as a person, Mark Henry. I mean, Steve Austin is, mm-hmm. is a fantastic – I mean, just from an interview standpoint – and, and as a guy who made it in the business, I could listen to Steve Austin talk wrestling all day long. I mean, he, he yeah. is such an interesting person to listen to. And, and even though he plays this kind of, you know, you know, badass redneck sort of, 
you know, character, there is an amazing amount of intelligence in this guy in terms of, of, mm. of the business of wrestling and, and what mm-hmm. what you do, what you don't do, what's right, what's not right. And, you know, Mark Henry, um, just very interesting starting in the early part of his career, you know, the stories of how he got into the business, you know, so, some, some really good emotional storytelling on his part with his family life and stuff, which was really interesting, all the way up to how he finally kind of you know came into his own uh when he had his world world championship run uh and and just you know kind of what what he does now just just a very very engaging and very interesting you know hour i mean most of these go about an hour and 20 minutes and uh just very interesting and engaging the one that i really loved uh and and really enjoyed was uh was the one he did with bret hart because i really felt like that was the first time i've seen steve austin as a man just there were there were hints of of the fan in him coming out talking to Brett, mm. and they they were both contemporaries in a way because Brett in a lot of ways made, you know, the Stone Cold Steve Austin character and helped kind of catapult him forward with their feud. But listening to them talk about you know they, they this interview was less linear and it was more like you know interviewing Bret Hart about like the mm-hmm. uh, the Montreal screw job which was this you know quasi-realistic you know uh thing that happened where where brett you know in the middle of a match loses the championship to Shawn michaels because he's on his way out of the company and it was all done outside of his knowledge um and and it was this you know for for a long time that was kind of like what he was remembered for and so he talks about that but the most fascinating thing was listening to him and austin talk about their wrestlemania 13 match which is what really it was a double turn where brett turns heel austin you know fighting through it all and losing begins to you know get sort of the 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 baby face you know cheers um Mm -hmm. but listening to the two of them break down that match was just fascinating i was just it was so cool to watch the two of them talk about it there's one point where you know in the match austin's like you know doing doing that that stomping you know in in the corner where, where he stomps the opponent and just accelerates the stomping and, mm-hmm. and he turns and looks at Brett. He's like, I was a little snug there. I apologize. <laughs> it was like we're 20 years after the fact, and he's like apologizing for, for, for the yeah. fact he threw a stiff boot in his face. It was just hysterical. But, but yeah. listening to the two of them break that match down from start to finish, uh, I was very thankful they included the part where Austin, go, you, they've brawled out in the crowd. He grabs a, a Coke from a vendor, drinks it, and then smashes bread over the head with it. I'm glad they included that, and he called that out. Um, I mean, it, it's just it was just very entertaining to, to listen to these two veterans, these retired you know, wrestlers, just kind of fondly talk about a, a match where they both came together, worked together, they, they wanted to put on this great match and it just came together for the two of them. And, and, and to see how, you know, to, to kind of take the veil off the business a bit and let these two guys who were very, I mean, when, when they feuded, it was like, it wasn't a blood feud, but it was a pretty, you know, pr- pretty intense feud for the two of them. And to see mm-hmm. how the two of them worked it out in the way and the respect they both have for each other was just really cool. And so, you know, there's interviews with Flair, Ric Flair. I haven't seen yet. Um, I just finished the Big Show, which was a good one. Uh, just, just check it out. It's very interesting. He he just brings a wealth of knowledge, and and if you're into the wrestling business and what these guys do, I I, I think you'll find it very very satisfactory. Nice. And I did. I remember watching the one with the Undertaker. Yeah. And that was yeah. that was really good. And. 
I might, you might have almost dragged me back in on WWE app. You might have. It's I it's, don't know. it's good. It's it's really good. I mean, I wish they had more content like that where it's I I, I could watch that more. Um, you know, listening to these guys talk about how they came up through the business and and just the struggles they had. Big shows was fascinating because he he very you know openly just talks about how through a lot of his career it was him trying to figure out how to be the giant the way he needed to be in the ring and Mm -hmm. and how his career suffered because he just it didn't click for him for a really long time until it finally did and then then his career kind of took off um which which i wouldn't have known had he not said something because i didn't think there was anything wrong with his career you know i mean i thought he Mm -hmm. had a very long and, and good career but but you know he he just shares a lot about how he just didn't understand pacing in the ring and working a match and being that giant and so forth so so it's 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 really interesting it's it's just very very interesting stuff very cool well my another thing this week is a a music suggestion uh over the past week i just i i i'm i'm not a fan of facebook i've been trying to wean myself off of facebook however every so often facebook will will do me a solid and will will give me a little something and i came across a video of of this uh this young lady uh playing music and it fascinated me i was like okay that's really good and started to go looking for some more uh her name is melanie fay and she is a 22 year old guitarist singer songwriter and man she's got three singles out right now that you can get on I know you can get them on iTunes you can probably find them on other streaming services very unique uh, I, I think songwriting and, and, and singing and, and excellent guitar play mm. and she's mostly on Instagram and YouTube Okay. so I'll link both of her profiles there but uh, just great stuff and I've, I was listening to her music today while we were driving around a little bit and man I, I just I, I really am counting on the moments till we get a full album although i know we live in more of a single driven world uh, but it's it's very uh it's tough to kind of describe it i guess neo soul kind of would be a way to describe it uh kind of hip-hop influenced yeah. but she's got a very unique style and i i'm really digging it and i'm i'm hoping for some more music because i'm running out of stuff on her youtube channel to go back <laughs> and listen to and i've already listened to these three three singles a, a bunch of times nice. this past week so but definitely check her out melanie Fay. i'll link her her instagram and youtube below and uh you need to you need to support this young lady because uh she hopefully is going to is going to be very very big it would be a nice change to see someone uh who is there's just so many it's, it's, I mean, it's not bad to be a great singer but man it's nice to see people who can who can play an instrument yeah. write their own songs and all that I mean I know Elvis didn't write a damn song that was a hit for him or anything like that and he's the king and all that that's great that's fantastic I just I really do appreciate people who write their own music mm. who can play an instrument and who are just also kick-ass singers as well yeah. so yeah. She kind of checks all of the boxes for me. Nice. So, Melanie Faye, be sure to check her out. She's she's going to be big. She's going to be big. I hope. I I really hope. I, I could be completely. Todd wrong. is bullish on Melanie Faye. 
so thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate you all listening to our show and be sure to subscribe and all that fun stuff. Be sure to tell friends, neighbors, coworkers, friends, enemies, family members. Uh, we're not picky at all. We have zero to no standards as opposed uh, in terms of who listens to this show. We, again, just like to see our names up in lights. So at this point in the show, I, I like to turn this over to the man who uh, usually I, I introduce at least uh, introduce. I, I interrupt at least. I, well, I introduce him too, but I interrupt him much more than I introduce him at least a half a dozen times throughout the show, if not more. And I like to turn to him and say, "Sir, you are you are much smarter than I am." And, and damn it, you just got out of the hospital, so please, if you would. <laughs> And, and you know what? I appreciate your good taste in holding that against me and using that as like a card oh, on me. Like, well, you know, oh my God. I just got out of the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that so much that you haven't held that over my head, even though I'm probably the reason that you oh were in the hospital. Gosh. Uh, w- sir, would you be so good as to take us home? Uh, yes, sir. Well, uh, you know, as, as, we, as we talked about at the beginning, very, very thankful to the listenership for, uh, for, for the uptick and downloads. And, uh, mm-hmm. and apparently after uh, taking a couple weeks off, we, we decided to clock in at, at close to three hours because, you know, it wouldn't be us unless we gabbed on for eight, you know, hours on end about... Well, if you think about it, we really owe people an extra episode. Well, yeah, that's what I'm figuring. We're, we're, we're doing it for the people. Thank you, Mario Bain. Oh, well, you know, that's what I try to do. So, uh, yeah, we, we very much appreciate it. And, uh, you know, uh, as, as we move forward here, uh, you know, the, these, these movies uh, that we discussed, and much like we talked about in the past with BSG, the story is everything. Uh, the, the depth of character and the character development is, is, is key. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, October when Mandalorian comes out. We- ah, Mando! We start dissecting that oh, again. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, my gosh. You know, just... just They all hate you, Mando. We're going to navigate and look at a bunch of different, uh, d- you know, d- different pieces of work where, where, where we can break it down that way. This is the way. And so, uh, you know, this, this was fun. I, I enjoy... You know, I, th- I think the fact that comic book movies are kind of like the Star Wars of, of my kids era, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun, in, you know, experiencing that with them and talking through it with with you, sir. So uh, so so do check out the best and please uh, avoid the worst if 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 if, if you can at all costs. Oh, in the name of all this holy, just especially don't, fan for stick. Oh. <laughs> Who signed off on that? That's, that's on, honestly, quite honestly, that's a crime against humanity, oh. and that someone should be brought to justice yeah. for that. Yeah, it's just not it's not wrong. Justice League. They should just be brought to justice. Just wrong. They all hate you. Well, as always, folks, be safe, be healthy, and as I, you know, as we do remind you very often, we got bills to pay, so please. Hit the lights on the way out. I can take the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. I don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. That really got out of hand fast. And be sure you're hitting the light switch. Don't turn off Tim's... Don't pull Tim's plug. (laughs) 
It's just in the hospital. He gets nervous about that. It's like, oh, dear Lord, what happened there? Wait, no, not that one. <laughs> the one to the right. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's too late. Oh, oh well. Yeah. So, so what stuff do you want? <laughs> <laughs>